0: scotts menswear and stoke is that a classic lens in your podcast pocket
1: oh six syllables (laughs) no it wasn't the last line in your podcast pocket
0: no in in was the last syllable of the middle (laughs)
2: Uh, your podcast pocket you did all in a haiku
0: yeah i did whatever whatever you
2: just said (laughs) a jambalaya i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: is that like French-Canadian for Jambalaya? No, no,
3: no, As that's in poetry. Like...
0: That's
1: okay. in poetry when you've got one line just bleed into the next with no
3: punctuation. Well, yeah, bumps. I just did that. From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 87. My name is Simon Forster, and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson, Perry G, and Graham Jago. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello Johnny <laughs> Good morning all. Wow this uh, is up to a great start already It is and hello Perry Hello hello
2: and Hello Graham Hello gentlemen it is a delight to be back with you all uh, Actually inside this time so that's nice <laughs>
3: Right, so um, yes, that was a that was a slightly unusual start to the show. Uh, we we had planned that meticulously for the thirty seconds on the run up to the uh, start of the recording there, and and it can mean nothing else other than this is the episode where we're going to give a Konica Hexanon forty millimeter one point eight to the in quotes best haiku. Uh, that's been sent sent into us, and um, and we have a world renowned uh, reader and expert on Haikus with us, as you would know from about two weeks ago, where Graham helped us launch uh, this this competition. so um yeah, we're we're quite honored to have you come in, come back to us, Graham.
2: Uh, the honor is all mine. I am really happy to bring my Haiku expertise back and to use it. It, it doesn't get enough exercise on the Sunday sixteen podcast, surprisingly. <laughs>
3: Well, that's actually, on, on on that note, you've there, there have actually been some haikus appearing on your show as well, haven't you? Of, of varying quality.
2: No, no, they've all been of the same quality. Good crap. <laughs> um, I think we need to say a particular thank you to uh two of your listeners who have inflicted their haikus on us. Um Matt Jones over in Thailand who definitely needs somebody to explain to him what a haiku is, and Paul Friday who desperately needs somebody to explain to him that um, he's suffering from haiku diarrhea.
3: Um,
2: so um but yeah, we we've suffered bleed from your podcast. So
3: thank you. <laughs> I don't like the sound of bleed after diarrhea. Though, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) um okay Okay. um so on on that note which has probably set the tone for the show um we're going to go we we're going to read some haikus out uh during the course of the show we're not going to inflict all of the haikus on you in one go and i think this would be a good time to start off with the opening batch of haikus and actually this is something we haven't actually worked out how these haikus are going to be judged so we're just going to let graham decide which is the best
2: i gonna go by uh, the most number of syllables in them <laughs> oh hang on that's got a floor now <laughs> um i will right, we'll, we'll figure that judging part out at the end um okay so you, you want me to read some of these do you are we going to take it into us I'll, I'll, i'm gonna start off anyway yeah. uh so this first one is from peter cociani Let's go with that. That sounds nice. Um, Peter writes in, Hey, Simon, Johnny and Perry, my haiku. I think it relates well to both the lens, Perry's use of it and cars. So here we go. Hexanon for free. Use it. Then give it away. Be like Carl Havens. That's pretty good. It's a good start. It is. We like that one. Thank
3: thank you for that one, Peter.
2: Okay. Somebody else can take this next one from Bernard.
3: done all leaping at (laughs) once okay i'll go with that one so i I rarely read anything out on the on this show um this is from bernard spurling uh or bernard um dear classic lenses podcast crew here's my haiku cold break of the day an old flat conica sings beyond the liker. toodaloo bernard I was quite like that one. These are, I'm quite impressed with your list of haikus.
2: Okay, Perry, I've decided you've got nobody's in charge. why I am. Uh, Perry, you get, because you've been quiet, you get to read Matt Jones' aforementioned Matt Jones' haiku.
1: Well, I, I'm sitting here, actually, as you guys read these out, uh, doing quality control and counting the number of syllables on my fingers. Okay, I uh, hope you got all so, fingers. <laughs> so those last two have passed with flying colors. Uh, this next one, I do not believe uh, does. So here we go. From Matt Jones, Johnny Simon and Perry G, Classic Lenses Podcast Field of View Catastrophe, (laughs) Hamish Heart Rate Cardiac Arrest. So you'll notice a couple things here. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, uh, the first two lines rhyme, which is not necessary. But most importantly, the format of the haiku is three lines with five, seven, and five syllables, not words. And I do believe Graham uh, Matt sent you guys a haiku with
2: exactly the same format, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he's found a style and he's sticking to it, and I admire that. And also, I like the rhyming; it feels very much like beat poetry. I can um, just imagine Mike Myers in um, *So I Married an Axe Murderer* <laughs> so, saying this poem. I'm a big fan of it. Go, go, you do you, Matt. You do you. Uh, rules are made to be broken. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Johnny, that means you get to do Andy Clements.
3: Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I've, I've, I'm actually quite impressed with that, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good bit of poetic license there. There you go.
2: Vindication. Go on, Johnny. Take Andy's.
0: Uh, sorry, I was muted because, you know, a- as I explained before we ever did this episode, I don't do... I don't do these giveaways, so I was gonna just check out for the entire show. But since you, I since Graham, you've asked me to do this, I will. I will go ahead and read this haiku. Whose haiku am I reading? Uh, Andy Clements, please. Andy, I have to find that in the doc here. I don't. <laughs> I don't have any idea where that haiku is in this list of haikus. It's
2: on the top of the. It's at the bottom of the first page, Johnny. On well.
0: This- Okay, it's the bottom <laughs> of the first page. Oh, Andy Clement.
2: <laughs> oh, that <laughs> Andy Clement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that Andy Clement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Andy Clement. Okay. What lens should I use because of that podcast can't sell any?
1: Very good. So. There's a syllable missing on both the second and final line of
0: that. <laughs> Perry, how do you do that by just listening? I I mean, I have to like
1: <laughs> How do you do it by just listening, Perry? Count- Counting to 7 is not that difficult, guys. Sure
0: it is. You have to count to 5 and then 7 and then 5 all at the same time.
1: <laughs> Dude, it's so it's so good that you don't live in Asia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think we, that, we, that,
3: that would have worked if it's if it done cannot rather than uh, being abbreviated down to can't.
1: Yeah, but there's only six syllables
2: in the second line as well.
3: Well, that's a minor detail.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a great start to the haiku competition. I'm very excited to be here for this. Yes,
3: yes. <laughs> We're uh, all about quantity, not quality here. Yeah, well, I I think that uh, that's our first uh, batch of um, haiku, and we've actually in, in the chat before we've we've since we've learnt that the plural of haiku is haiku. So um, thank you for those uh, those haiku, um, and I think what we'll do let's do a little bit of a, a catch up, a reso- reasonably brief catch up on what people have been uh, up to and uh, how well. Perry's been dodging tear gas and things like that. So let's let's start with you, Perry. How's things this week?
1: Uh, not, yeah, yeah, uh, not great. This weekend was carnage. Um, I mean, I don't know. You guys have probably been following the news. There's just uh, so much craziness over the weekend. I've never seen downtown Hong Kong such a ghost town. Like we went out for brunch yesterday and there was nobody out in the streets. And they started tear gassing the few people that were out. At like one PM, which I think is a record early. Um so yeah, it should be fun. Everyone's gearing up for the uh China National Day celebrations tomorrow, which is a public holiday. So it's okay that we're recording a little bit late. Uh, uh, uh it's not gonna be pretty.
3: And which ledgers are you uh, gonna take with you to uh, to <laughs> photograph the uh what's gonna <laughs> happen tomorrow? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, apparently taking pictures with people in them is not kosher. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I,
3: I I think that might be a, a veiled comment to uh to a, to an email that you sent into the uh, Sunday Sixteen podcast that was uh, published this morning. I, I do believe um, by our uh, our guest um, Graham. Um, perhaps perhaps now Graham's actually with us on the on the show. Uh, you might want to take that up with him
1: uh you want me to take it out with graham or him to take it out with me (laughs) either way whichever (laughs) works no no no. to be fair graham i think listening to that i was listening to that today um on my way to work and to be i think you got the point i was trying to make but it, it it the discussion deviated a little bit because did you guys listen to it simon johnny well yeah, johnny yeah. definitely not yeah, it,
3: it might it might actually be worth you know, just uh giving giving our listeners a gist of what it was i'm sure they all listened to back in paper and sunday 16 but just in case they didn't uh perhaps you might want to just give them a little bit of uh, background uh, to what we're talking about here
4: uh
1: i'm reluctant to because i'm so reluctant to sort of stir up the pot on these but i basically after episode 169 um there was this long discussion on that show about the UK and street photography in the UK. And it was so, so depressing that I I basically wrote them a book because, because Rachel asked me to. Uh, and then Graham got uh, the conspiracy of cartographers guy, Eric, who I think goes on trips to go get as far away from people as possible uh, to then read out and comment on <laughs> my email about street photography. And one of the, i mean it, it was going fine for the most part but then then there was one thing that he said which was like he literally said I, I i made a claim in the email which was if we follow the mantra that uh i think animal mystery said on about his photo walks which was don't shoot strangers or children uh i said i would literally just not take any photos whatsoever and the bit that really riled me was uh eric said something along the lines of that's bullshit. Uh, you can take photos in the street without people in them, or you can do like street photography without pictures of people in them. And uh, I mean, not, not only is that physically impossible to do in Hong Kong, um, I, I think I, I literally wouldn't take any photos if that were the case, because that's the only kind of photo that I'm really interested in making uh, these last couple of years, at least. And... I don't know man it, it's just it's one of those things where I, I i see sort of street photography documentary photography photos of people as kind of the two sides of the same coin and telling telling me not to shoot pictures of the street with people in them is like telling me to eat a burger without any of the fillings like I do not i don't want to eat plain bread you know like if that's your thing go for it people can shoot whatever they want i try not to pass judgment on that but <laughs> It comes, it, it comes a point where it's just like, you know, when I think about the photography that I like, the reason I love l- doing street photography or uh, looking at other people's documentary photography is exactly what you said, Graham. It, it captures a moment in time that's never going to happen again. Um, and I think, you know, as far as photography goes, I, the, the things that I look for in a photo, street photography sort of forces you to do it in an instant. Like, number one, does it trigger an emotion? right? If so, fantastic. Number two, does it make you look at the photo for more than the fleeting second that people spend scrolling through Instagram pictures these days? And all of my favorite photos from other people are the ones that I'll stop and, and look at and discover more each time I look at it. Street photography does that wonderfully. And then after that, it's like, is it well composed? Is it technically well executed? Those are the kind of least important things. So for me, you know taking pictures of of architecture or street scenes with no people in them is just like taking photos of some architects work from a different angle you know some people do that and it looks cool you can get some aesthetically pleasing shots but to me they have no emotion or soul when i look at them so it's the kind of image that i like to make and to hear someone say that it's bullshit just go take pictures with you know no people in them I, what's the point to me
2: I okay. I, I'm gonna stick up a little bit. I don't think I don't think he was saying You shouldn't take pictures with people in them. I think what he was disagreeing with was the idea that if you if you couldn't take pictures with people, then you wouldn't be able to take any pictures because he he's like saying, "Well, I manage to all the time." Obviously, he's taking very different photos to you. And I think the thing that originally made you um, so frustrated uh, with regards to um, Annal's the sentiment in Annal's conversation about um, approaching street photography whilst he's out on the photo walk is you have to remember that he's looking at that from the point of view of somebody who is organizing an event that he's bringing people into and so totally oh, yeah. so he's being he is sort of being mindful of the well-being and the care of and not wanting something to go wrong on the day and it's you know and it's a different thing like when he's out there shooting on his own i'm sure he's going to shoot whatever he wants but i think having some basic guidelines in place because i mean like let's take the most um that Tinder-like element, which is shooting children, because I think that is something that is really divisive. Uh, and to be honest, I think, if, especially if you're organising to take a group out, I think having as a general rule of actually just don't is probably a fairly smart thing if you're out shooting with a group of people because that is something that can become a very a flashpoint very very quickly um you, know, you don't have to search very far through news sites to find <laughs> instances of people getting targeted called paedophiles getting physically assaulted um for taking pictures of other people's children or pictures which may or may not include other people's children in the frame so um you know it, there's an element of risk to that uh, and um your sort of mileage may vary as you know as you you, you said on the email, he said that, you know, you do use children as part of your composition within, you know, you'll take pictures of people's children whilst you're out and about. Then that's fine. But it is one of those things that people are very sensitive to. Um, so I can completely understand why Anna might not want to bring that to an event where he's having to look after a, a lot of people. Um, and then after that, I think it's, it's whereabouts on the sliding scale you place, other people's um feelings or other people's potential feelings versus your desire to create art and um eric is a very sensitive person towards what he perceives as other people's um angst you know chances are most people don't give two hoots i think that's the reality most people couldn't care less whether they were captured in a quick picture but um you know it's a sliding scale isn't it i you're the biggest street shooter uh, out of the three of you guys. I mean, where do you fall on this, Simon?
3: Um, I've been talking about street shooting on a few occasions quite recently. And it's, it's something that I, I have difficulty in doing. Um, I'm, I'm, I understand where Eric was coming from. And part, part of me is in a, in a similar kind of place, but uh, it was interesting just listening to him this morning. I'm thinking this, this, this Eric's even, um, he's got more of an issue than I have and I've, I do have an issue with uh, with taking photographs of strangers unless I think that they're effectively openly displaying themselves if you like so we, we yeah, this is one of the things we talked to a couple of weeks ago there was a photograph that um, was well the thought of taking pictures with children in. I'm there thinking you know what well, that's a that's a that's a dodgy thing to be doing especially in the uk at the moment yet one of the pictures that i did take i took and it was a you know it was a good photograph and it was a street performer and it was uh with a with a family and there were two children in there and uh, there were, and one of the ch- uh, children was high in the street performer and it was just at the moment where they were actually cl- uh, clapping hands so really really pleased with the shot and i didn't give it two thoughts that he was children in the shot. I didn't even, I didn't even think about the, the yes. them being children in the shot until I actually thought about it today. And this is like, you know, six weeks after the event. Um, so it's, it's, it's not so much, uh, the fact that, you know, don't, don't take photos of children or whatever. It's, it's more about, you know, if you think that the people that you're taking are comfortable in, in that very open scenario, in that that open yeah. scene, then I don't have a problem with this in the slices, which clearly I-, I didn't in that case.
1: I think, I think the whole, this whole children thing got blown way out because the original point that Anil made was... Um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, um, what Anil was saying, by the way. That's not the sort of issue that I had. It was that idea of... It, it, it's more of the idea that you can't shoot strangers uh, without being respectful or, or that you can't shoot strangers on a street. I mean, I totally get what Anil's saying from the perspective of organizing a photo walk and liability and stuff. And I think just the inclusion of the word children has, has made everyone lose sight of where I'm trying to go with this. The discussion that was originally on 169 and then exacerbated far more so by Eric's readout uh, on backing paper was more of I just got the vibe that like there was this feeling that you can't do street photography respectfully when you're shooting strangers at all. And that's just not my attitude or experience of it. You know, like we're not talking about Bruce Gilden going up and flashing people in the face where... I literally, I I have, I'm very uncomfortable with that style of photography as well. And I know people here that do it, but I think you can do street photography in a very respectful way. Sometimes people are going to get upset, but you know, I shoot people pretty much every single day. And for every hundred people, I take a candid photo of one will get upset and confront me. Others, you know, a lot of them will smile and wave. If not, if, if they don't look comfortable, a lot of the times I don't think they're a good subject. If they notice me, I will either have a chat with them or wave at them. And it's led to some of the most human experiences. And I think the point that I was trying to make with the email is this undertone of discomfort or suspicion when you're shooting street reflects in your demeanor and that reflects in the images. But the thing that street photography does for me that no other form of photography does is it gives you access to that entire spectrum of the human condition, as I said in that email. right? You know, you go in with a bored mindset, you, you're going to see boring photos. It can be the most exciting thing you've ever done as well. you got to shoot quickly. If you can compose and consider the light and get that split second moment, that's never going to happen again. It's a magical thing. And sometimes people know it. You know, one of, one of my favorite photos I ever shot uh, was I saw this girl at the University of Hong Kong, and she was climbing the outside of the building a couple of years ago. And I was looking at her wondering, oh, where the hell is she going? And I realized that she climbed. She had climbed uh, to the sort of window, the outer windowsill of a window sort of three floors up. So I ran up the stairs to see if I could see her from the inside. And uh, yeah, and and I could. So I metered out another window. I framed, I took the shot. And, and then she turned at me. She saw me taking a photo. And then she kind of waved at me and I gave a thumbs up. And it was a really cool moment. But then when I got home and developed that shot, her entire body sort of lined up perfectly with the 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 frame of the window I guess and it was such a cool moment both seeing the moment running to get the shot my brief interaction with her knowing that I couldn't shoot it again because she knew I was there and it would it would never be the same moment again to then the anticipation of developing the film which is part of why we all love shooting film right and and but at the same time you know here in Hong Kong right now with all the protests and the violence and the tear gas and the, the vandalism going on, street photography is an outlet for me to kind of try to capture some of that, that desperation of the moment too. And it's cathartic to make photos that are not just trying to capture beauty or not just trying to follow sort of rules of photography, but are actually reflective of either how I'm seeing the world and the society I live in and the, the, the vibes that that society and its people are giving back to me. And it's yeah. such an enriching experience. And so the entire discussion seemed to be centered around, oh, don't shoot strangers. It's disrespectful. Um, and then, yeah, the, the the I think it just including the word children in that whole discussion made everyone latch onto it as an easy target to go after. But I mean, like, I don't go out of my way to shoot children. Who does that? Uh, me, right. you, well, you included <laughs> in the email, so you'll fault.
2: Listen, no, the thing no, is, <laughs> Anil mentioned it, right? That's why oh, I, I it. mentioned it, then you mentioned it again. Anyway, yeah. look, the, the point is um and i think this is the final point like so everybody comes to these things with their own baggage um and clearly street photography is not eric's thing um but the point that he made at the end and i think this is the most important thing to take away from it is like there there is nothing fundamentally wrong with street photography and with shooting people but and 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 he said this particularly like, about people like yourself very like you think about what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you want to make you're going in there with a lot of thought behind your street photography you're not just doing the thing of well i want to i, I want to be a street photographer because being street photography is cool that's the cool thing to do and kind of just going around going okay, as far as i'm concerned that just means taking pictures of pe- random people on the street with any particular without any particular thought as to why you're taking it or actually what it's going to look like and i think that's the difference is it is being mindful of what you want to achieve from it and the pictures you want to create and you know the the experience you want to have doing it and not just going out people collecting. Um and I think and then, you know as you said if you go out into it with the right frame of mind you're going to have better interactions. But I I remember the the recent incident where I think it was in I can't remember where it was, some state fair or something when a photographer got yelled at for taking pictures of a family and stuff and um and you know, you know called pedophile and all sorts of names it. and it was completely uncalled for and he had every right to be there and all of that but the thing is, I looked at his pictures and I was like these are just pictures of people out and about but there's, there's nothing there's no value particularly to these pictures other than oh it's a collection of people's faces out and about and I can you know I think that's the problem is that sometimes that can bring it down a bit but um But that's, that's just, that's bad street photography. Yeah. Right. And, and
1: I, it, it, it is something that I notice. you know, I, I I get it. It involves people. um, People have concerns, right. I, I think there's a difference between going out and shooting in a way that's deliberately trying to either provoke people or, or just sort of snipe their portrait for some weird reason. But at the same time, you know, people enjoy and go out and take pictures of random crap and make terrible photos of stuff. That's not people. And it, it seems like street photography is held to a standard that, you know, like I, I totally get people who don't either don't understand street photography or don't like it or don't appreciate the aesthetic. Like, That's totally fine. Um, but, you know, it, if someone is taking random snaps of people on the street and they're not using them for nefarious purposes, it,
2: that person's a bad street photographer right but why why vilify them for that oh yeah no i completely agree but the thing is, i think the reason that street photography it has to be held to a slightly higher standard is because your actions can cause other people distress justifiably sure. or not it doesn't matter like you, like, take, you can take in a picture of someone's car yeah absolutely and like i said we, we mentioned this on the show like i was trying to take a picture of somebody's house and that person came out livid at us and like it was completely unreasonable on the one hand but at the end of the day it doesn't matter because that person was real pissed off with us it's like okay sorry we'll leave um but obviously you're far more likely to have a higher risk of that kind of interaction because you're dealing with people buildings rarely so i I, know i think it's just one of those things you just be mindful of it haven't you yeah yeah no that
1: that's definitely true that's definitely true and i think you know there's a lot to be said about going in with it with the right kinds of intentions as you say and and i'm not you know, I'm not going after Eric for personally attacking me. I don't think he did that at all. And I think he was very fair. I just think that in the two discussions on both episodes, the underlying attitude towards street photography is just so at odds with the way that I view the activity that it makes me sad, you know?
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I can completely see that. I can completely see that. Yeah. Um, if you look at, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the photos, <laughs> sorry, I'm mean, I this. This is why I didn't want to bring
1: this up. I didn't <laughs> <rant>. <laughs> and, and Perry's final thoughts on this subject are... <laughs> no, because, I mean, if you look at the people who share street photographs in... Well, I don't know about a group of, like, photography with classic lenses, because there are just millions of different photos in there. But certainly, if you look at, like, Johnny Street Photography... But, yeah, I think if you look at my street photography, it doesn't come across as disrespectful, right? Hmm.
2: No, absolutely. No. no, I don't disagree with that at all. And, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. is like, it's this whole thing started because i think you were um upset because nobody ever said oh it is fundamentally you know going out and shooting strangers is a problematic thing i think it was more just we have to be mindful that there are more instances of people responding badly to having their pictures taken than perhaps there have been in the past so Um,
1: i i I I totally know what you mean and i totally get that i just think that there's so much more scope for discussion on like the artistic challenges and merits of making good street photographs, that people end up shying away from that because they can't get over that initial. Oh, what if people get pissed
2: off at me? Well, we've certainly alluded to that for the last twenty minutes. So. Yeah, <laughs> fair
4: enough.
3: Well, I, I was going to say, I've just got one 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 small thing to to add to that. And uh, those, I mean, I've I've done I've tried my hand at street photography on on quite a few occasions. And when I first started, I was I was doing it. Um, almost like secretly or in fact in case I I was doing it secretly I was like holding a compact camera down by my leg and then taking shots and stuff like that because I was so (laughs) self-conscious and I look at those shots and they're not they're just not honest photos Um, they're not particularly good either and they and uh, to use the phrase that uh, Graeme was saying earlier uh, about people collecting and that's that's all it was and I realized these these photographs at first I was thinking oh that's interesting and I think no it's not it's just a, a person that you've just got and they don 't realize what what was what was going on there there's no great artistic merit to it um, and when I did those attempted to do street shooting in london the, those few weeks ago and i 've already talked about one of the photographs there um, There were two other photographs which i would which I view as being you know decent street photos, but all of the good street photos that I took on those two rolls of film um were shots that I was happy to take I was in the moment almost like with, there was almost a bit connection between me and the and the subjects even though I wasn't talking to them they didn't necessarily know I was taking a photograph there but they were they were having a moment and i was able to share in that moment and i felt completely uh, i lacked any kind of self-consciousness while i was doing mm-hmm. it whereas with the other other shots um it was it just felt like people collecting so i, I think it is i think yeah. about the attitude that you go into taking the photographs you've, you've said it today and you said it in that email i think that it, it really really does matter
1: it, it does and, and you know when i go into a street shoot I usually the first thing I do is I take out my headphones and then I spend the first 10 to 20 minutes just walking around without my camera um, until I feel like I'm a part of the street and, and, you know, interacting with the people in a natural way and and feeling the street. And then I feel like I can get my best photographs because that initial wall between you and everyone else, the sort of photographer to subject wall, once that dissolves, then I, I find that's when I feel most free. Uh, to shoot the images that
2: i want so johnny what have you been up to this week <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh uh wow um n- not much compared to you guys apparently <laughs> <laughs> n- nothing i mean no went to work did some laundry <laughs> i tell you- I didn't do anything on par with all this oh my gosh no it's a good conversation though i mean it, it's it, it i i we're done talking about it right
1: no, <laughs> you can so. feel free to jump in though you haven't said anything
0: no I've i mean I, I just i don't even think about it anymore i mean you know what i just don't take pictures of kids i just don't ever (laughs) i just i just completely and utterly have no it's like homeless people i completely and utterly have no interest in taking pictures of them um so i and i and i actually understand why people are sensitive about it and this isn't 1960 and i it's just a different era and I, i i just do not take pictures of of children i take pictures of people but not them and not their kids and not them and their kids. And that's, that's all I, that's all I got on that. <laughs> it's just, it's really simple. I just don't even think about it.
2: Real you know, that. I think it'd be nice now. I some think some what we haikus. need to cheer us, I need some haikus <laughs> <cheer up> this <laughs> year. Please. Yeah. Is
0: there one about kids and street photography in there?
2: Reed? <laughs> <laughs> if, if only I'm going to read this first one, because <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's perfect for this, a uh, perfect transition. This one's from Robbie Jameson. Um, ketchup on hot dog packets now cost 15 cents tasteless savages uh, that's from robbie J. I i like that i'm guessing that this is relating to some chicago food talk on the chicago food talk podcasts
3: it, it certainly is it goes back to mike novak and uh, and possibly my insistence that uh, ketchup is actually the best thing to put on a hot dog which apparently <laughs> i'm wrong if i'm if i was in chicago i'd be very wrong on that
2: well, I'm inclined to agree with you. I like ketchup on everything. So, you know, yeah. we can be savages together. Okay.
3: Well, let's, <laughs> uh, I'm going to read, um, oh, I was going to do this. We had Paul Friday uh, with an entry here, but actually Paul Friday's done so many, we're going to have a whole section. Of <laughs> Friday. Um, okay. So let's do the John Bruning um, slot. And Perry, do you want to take that one?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. John Bruning says, gents, love the show and the sense of community you guys have built around it. All the shooters around my next of the woods. I think he means neck of the woods. "uh, Look at me like I'm an idiot for shooting with vintage glass. Nice to know there are others out there who love these old gems as I do. My entry into the haiku challenge. Gas Haiku uh, by John R. Bruning. And there's a note here from Simon (laughs) that John is a published author. Oh, so this is going to be really good, then? Yes. uh,
3: Let's build Pulitzer-winning
1: (laughs) hype. Yeah, get your Pulitzer's ready. (laughs) Classic lens, goodness. My wallet dying of gas. Free lens will save it. Very good.
3: Pretty good. That's pretty good. And and just going going back to, and I actually responded to 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 John on this when when people are uh, looking at him when he's he's using a, a. an old lens on this camera compared to everybody else with their, their modern autofocus lenses. And they, they give him, they, they look down upon him. And uh, I, I, when I find myself in those situations, I look down upon them. Uh, because I think myself, you just need all, all the, the better optics and the autofocus just to take a shot. So uh, yeah, I, I, I go in there with a feeling of superiority when I see people like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: how very
1: british of you simon
3: (laughs) exactly exactly
1: um you know the crazy thing on that is um when i'm out and about shooting these days i see more people with either old film cameras or uh digital cameras with old lenses uh, adapted to them than i think i see people with digital cameras at least for
3: the type of shooting that i do are you just are you just blocking out other people then so that, that that can't be the
1: case maybe though. i mean i see a lot of people with fujis running around and i ignore anyone with a long lens because I, I just assume they're burning <laughs> like doing some urban birding or something no but the areas that i like to go shoot on a day-to-day basis uh i'm just constantly walking past and running into people with with like leicas sony's with adapted lenses it's super cool
0: yeah you know i i can kind of back that up a little bit um Uh, That that's kind of my experience in uh, downtown Chicago, too. I mean, part of that is because there's like 12 colleges who have campuses downtown. So it's a lot of it's a lot of kids running around with cameras. But um, yeah, I I, it's actually I mean, you see the people with DSLRs, but I see a lot of, you know, film cameras or digitals with uh, old lenses on them as well. So kind of kind of crazy. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly among the sort of street photography crowd, I see loads of, like, Olympus, Minoltas, Nikons, rangefinders. Canonets are super popular. Um, I, I saw a guy the other day I was out shooting, uh, and a dude walked past me. I was holding, I think, my my pan and he was holding uh, Mamiya C-330, <laughs> and we just walked past each other shooting the same kind of scene and just had this knowing, you know, look of acknowledgement.
2: Did you not high-five him? No, he was holding we were both holding our cameras. Next <laughs> opportunity. Yeah.
3: Well let's let's do the next one. I'll I'll take this one. This is from Eric Sluice, a friend of the show. Um time froze an instant. Light taken by silver grain, kept in dark chambers. And in Eric's case that's a catacomb under under his house. Where he keeps all his expired film. Don't we all Yes.
2: Yeah, Johnny. I'm gonna keep making you read these damn things. <laughs> Can you read this one from Steve? Uh, where are we? <laughs> it's the oh, your the one. After oh wait, Eric's. Steve. Steve knew, <laughs> right?
3: <Yeah>. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> Is this all right, Perry? We'll have to. I'm just looking at the <laughs> number of words, and there's not very many. So, you know, words versus syllables. Perry will have to give us a count here. Kanaka forty disappoints on Sony. Perry, unhappy.
1: Second line is one syllable, two
0: <laughs>
2: Perry, very unhappy. Perry, very unhappy. <laughs> uh, um, look, uh, I, I, these haikus are great, but um, you guys dragged me here, and I, I came on with no understanding that I could come here and badger you about some stuff, and we've already gone through the hard work of having <laughs> to discuss treatment of me. <laughs>
3: Yes. Um, so well, you've got a, you've got a bag of lenses, haven't you? Some, I Some, some I have lenses got... you don't know what to do with. Well, yeah, I just want to get some feedback. I want to find that one, because I'm sure I'm sitting
2: on an absolute fortune with these lenses. I know they're all going to be ones that you're super big fans of because they're real rarities and, and real unusual focal lengths. And I just want to kind of get some advice and um, just some thoughts on some of these lenses and ask you a lot of stupid questions. So uh, advanced apologies to all the listeners on here who already know a ton of stuff about, all the lenses and stuff, but these are going to be some real idiot questions going for me. But so the first thing is I'm going to warn you, uh, cause I know that this is the thing that the three of you have issues with is that, um, I have the focal lengths that you guys don't like. So I've, my lenses are pretty much all, I don't think I've got very many, but they're, they're either 28 mil, Boo 50 mil. Boo, no, no, 50 is good. Oh, 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 phew. Well, that's I don't mind 28, it's just these other guys, yes, just these other (laughs) asshats Um, (laughs) uh, and 135, because you seem like the most reasonable one. So, um, uh, (laughs) I, I listened to the show, um, many months ago, um, when uh, Johnny and Carl and Simon were discussing cheap lenses and. It did seem that twenty eight mm and one hundred and thirty five mm in particular came in for quite a lot of dissing. Is that just because they're the most common ones out there, so they're not special enough for you? I don't I, I don't get the
1: twenty eight hate. um I, I quite like twenty eight mm It's just it's difficult for me to use because most of my rangefinders, I can't see the frame lines.
2: Okay, so there so, are actually good logistical. I,
1: I think lines. no, 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 I, I think what what they were talking about is, uh, it's it's not significantly wide enough over a 35 that it feels like a proper wide angle. Um, and so that they would they would rather use like a 24 wider. I think that's the general logic. Mm-hmm. I think they're just lens
2: racist. Okay, so let me look at some of these <laughs> lenses I've got. So um, I'm going to have to turn around here because my lenses. So I've got I've got a lot of 50 mil lenses and I haven't brought all of them here, but I'm going to ask you about some of the ones that I've got because I know you've talked about a lot of so- really. Let's see what I grab first. Okay, I'm really
1: excited for this because I wonder if Graham has like... you know, Because on Cine 16, you guys always talk about how you hoard gear.
2: <laughs> oh, no. This really is a bag of crap I've got here. Um, but actually, this is quite, let me find the other one that goes with this. This is great. Oh, yeah, have really enjoyed me going far away from the thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, I have got here... This is the first thing I'm going to ask about. I have got two... Count them. Uh, it should be fairly easy. Two Helios 44 lenses, Okay. So I have got... Strong uh, he- start, by the way. Thanks, I'm very proud. I have got uh, the Helios 44-2 and the Helios 44-M4. Which one's the good one?
3: The two. Oh, the two. Okay, why? Because it's better.
2: <laughs> Is it just because it's rolled down?
3: <laughs> no. Um, I think the forty 44-4 the and the 44-2, and the I think optically, they're pretty much the same. Um, or is it the 44 M? I, I you know, I'm going to start to get a little bit jaded on 44s as well now. Um, but they, with the going with the M's, uh, range, that's, they the later lenses and they've got mm-hmm. an automatic aperture. Yeah. Um, and the higher the number, uh, in this case of four and they go up to seven, uh, the height. So the higher, the number, uh, allegedly, uh, the sharper they get and probably in general terms, they, 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 they do. Um, I think the 44-4 the is largely on a par with the 44-2. I don't know if either you guys could uh, agree with that one. Uh, Perry, Johnny?
1: I got a huge confession to make here. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they're too cheap, aren't they? I have never owned a Helios
3: 44.
0: <laughs>
3: there, there, there are times <laughs> when we wonder how you got onto this show.
0: <laughs> and I have owned and...
3: Disposed of one Helios 44. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I'll feel this one. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think I think the, I got a sneaky feeling the four is either very similar or the same as the uh, as the is the forty four two. It might be slightly sharper, but I mean we, we're splitting hairs. We're talking about pixel peeping when when we're talking about sharpness, and these things mm-hmm. tend to show up perhaps a little bit more if you're doing you know sub macro work and you're you're trying to do something with with particular sharpness, but. The, the, really, for me, the point of the the forty four is the character of the lens. It's a it's a biotar design. It it, it, uh, it does interesting things at the, the edges of the picture, especially if you're using it on a on a larger sensor. Um, but for practical reasons, I I prefer the the forty four too, especially if you're adapting it to mirrorless, because it's it's just an easier lens to actually use because you have the presets uh Graham is not adapting it to mirrorless though right
2: uh no i do my digital camera i've got an x-pro an x-pro one that's so it. i <sighs> i do sometimes use it on my x-pro and uh, i do have because almost all of my lenses most of the ones i'm going to talk about this evening are mostly m42 mount because that's the cool. you know, ubiquitous
1: well, so. i mean i'm I'm assuming you've gone and done the whole swirly bokeh thing with them right
4: um
2: yeah some of them yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I can certainly see, as someone say, but the the fact that the um, with the preset on the lens that is uh, is a, a nice feature. And actually, as I'm picking up and playing with this, um, the forty four M, I'm not sure uh, whether the, <laughs> I'm kind of pushing in the, um, the, pin. the the pin at the bottom, and that doesn't seem to be doing a great deal. So I'm thinking it's going to be great for wide
3: open shots. Uh, well, <laughs> is there is there also something that looks a bit like a switch on the side of it uh-huh. near to the aperture ring? Oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's it. Now try and manoeuvre that switch so it goes into the next position. Okay, uh, and, then, hmm. and then turn the aperture ring. Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll have a fiddle around with that. Yeah, it seems to be okay. Yeah, well, probably. Is it, is it, but is it, is it without touching the pin? Now is it is it opening and closing the aperture? Uh,
2: no, it actually doesn't have. Um, cause, no, I was looking at this, uh, and it doesn't seem to have a manual and automatic switch on this one. I can see. I'll have to fiddle around. But no, I think that one might just be um, broken, (laughs) I think, is the technical
3: (laughs) term. To be honest, I thought thought that was actually one of the ones that does does actually have a switch on it, an auto-manual switch, um, which enables it to, to, well to the aperture will close down with the pin or not but this this is actually one of the reasons why i prefer the, the 44 is because you've got complete control of the aperture um, yeah and and this is also going to be dependent on the the adapter that you might use as well because some adapters have a ledge in there to capture the pin which will then allow the as you open and close the aperture it will then uh, well the, the change the ring it will then open and close the aperture whereas if you are using an adapter or pass a helicoid um, adapter that doesn't have the ledge then, if you don't have a switch, or you've got a lens that sounds like yours that doesn't work when you put it into the manual bit, then you'll close the aperture down, and nothing's going to happen. It's just going to stay wide open. So, the the forty four two is just a it's it's a more friendly lens to to adapt, and yeah. uh, and that's the reason why I would I would uh, suggest that that's the, uh, the it's a great starting lens and potentially finishing lens with the Helios forty four range.
2: Gotcha. Excellent stuff. That's good to know. Okay, so I, I can. Um, the 44M, I'm going I'm to make a pile of good ones. But I was, uh, actually, let me see if I grab the right one here. Uh, oh, what's wrong the subject of Helios? Is? This is the one I want to ask you about um, because you were quite rude about this, then Simon. <laughs> my, what's coming. Yeah, my um, Helios auto wide angle. Uh, Two point eight thirty five millimeter. You you
3: slandered it and said it's not even a
2: proper helios.
3: It's it, it all. The only thing that connects that to a helios is what it says on the nameplate, <laughs> and and that is it. Uh, it's a it's a. I'm I'm certainly not uh, slagging off Japanese lenses, but it's that is a it's a it's a Japanese lens, and not made in Mother Russia. Um, t- I'm just trying to think if if there is actually well, there certainly isn't a, a Russian-made Helios with a uh, there's a, a 35 to 2.8 anyway that's that's the uh, the thing there so it's a it's a branded lens um, made as cheaply as possible and uh, um, and just just using using that brand.
2: It seems bizarre to me that people are like a Japanese lens manufacturer is. Choosing to buy and use a Russian lens name as a that seems quite ass backwards.
3: I I think it's almost certainly going to be something that was probably aimed at the British market because. Um... And, and it would be an importer and i forget the name actually there is actually a specific importer uh, that was bringing the, the the stuff in from russia and they it wouldn't surprise me if they were the people behind that lens because they wanted to get a a 30 a, a cheap 35 millimeter uh, lens on the m42 screw mount for for the Zenit cameras that they were bring bringing over so it was i mean the today Zenits were, were very very popular in the uk because they were cheap and let's face it if you've got a good lens and you've got a Zenit camera that actually worked well it was pretty much as good as anything uh, because i mean you know a, ca- a camera is a camera you know it's a, it's a light box and a lens and if as long as all the things actually work properly which in many cases with a Zenit or a, a helios lens might not um, but if you guys go on the works then you it's not hard to find people that used to have those cameras and they used to swear by them and and really really like them rather than swear at them
2: Mm, well i feel sorry for those people okay i've got some more m42 mount 50 mils here because you can kind of uh, so you said that the design in the EOS uh, is a biotar design is that a fairly common design for sort of cheap and cheerful 50 mils no
1: okay uh, yes well yes and no right it's it's a traditional double gauss um which is a symmetrical design that you see in a lot of 50 millimeter lenses but the biotar variation, the rear, I, Graham's probably sitting there going, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the rear group is, uh, it's like smaller than the front group. Mm-hmm. And um, so that sort of signature look that you get where it's quite sharp, uh, it's got quite nice contrast, but then it has a bit of that, th- those edge aberrations. Uh, that's quite typical of a biotar signature.
2: Okay, so you can, I've got a couple more here. You can tell me if these are – because they're quite different size lenses. So, I, um, And I know that these are both ones that you've talked about on the show before. So the first one I've got here is my um, Fujinon 55mm uh, 2.2 lens. And I really <laughs> like this because this is a real dinky little lens. Um, is this one any good? That lens is wild. I have that lens, and I love it. Yeah, that's the one that Johnny saying. wanted.
1: To add to the cheap lens challenge, and yeah, I would I, I would, would,
0: I would much prefer to use
2: that lens over the Helios. Oh,
0: totally, any any Yeah.
2: So, okay. A, so ex- yeah. explain to me why this one is better than that one. It's a four element, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it. Well, yes, it's, but it's essentially. Not a it's a well, it's. I think it's actually a five element. It's essentially a Tessar with an extra element to make it overcorrected to 2.2, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. which is what causes all the, the the craziness to happen with that lens. So it's a, yeah. it's a, it's like a weird hybrid five element Tessar.
1: So, so Graham, um, let's start with Bokeh. Uh, because <laughs> if you're if you're shooting the uh, Helios, you're gonna get swirly Bokeh, right? Mm hmm. Um, if you shoot the Fuji fifty five two point two, you're gonna get sort of crazy looking soap bubble bouquet. Not okay. not quite as clean as the uh like the trio plan. Um, but but it's fairly wild, but not swirly. So it's got yeah. a very unique look. Stuff glows with this lens in places where it shouldn't glow. That's sort
2: of the way that I de- I describe pictures <laughs> I see with it. Okay, I'm with you. And so, because, I mean, this is the thing, like when I'm looking at lenses, it feels like sometimes like the, sh- the shorthand is, well, the faster it is, the better it is. But clearly this one, this is not faster. This is, if anything, slower. Um, but the, just the design, the way it's been built um, means it
1: Faster is not better. That's marketing, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just got to try the Canon
2: Dream Lens to put that, put that idea to bed. Okay, okay, that's cool. So, okay, so that's one I definitely should be using more than my... Um- oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. To try it. Try it with. Uh, try with backlit subjects. Okay, and that's when then it'll pick up the glow when I try it with that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and i was got to say though, you know, don't don't feel bad if it doesn't do it for you. Because I I take the Helios over that every time. So mm-hmm. I've I've just never I've never got on with that lens. I've, you know, uh, jo- Johnny and Perrier talk good things about it, and I've seen some really interesting pictures with it. But whenever I've used it, it's just. Ugh. No, nothing's ever really happened to it. I don't particularly <laughs> like the feel of it either you know it's mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I like the all-metal feel of the of, the, of that Helios 44 2 um any wait, day Wait, so.
1: wait Simon would you rather take flower photos with a Helios 44 uh over a Fuji 55
3: 2.2 yeah I'd, th- I'd pretty much take any photograph with a with the Helios over that Fuji oh interesting interesting
1: because I think I would pick the Helios for portraits and pictures of people and stuff um, but for pretty much every anything else, uh, I think the Fuji looks cooler.
2: Well, there you go. Mm. Okay, good you? to know. Um, whilst we're, actually, before I forget about it, whilst we're on the subject of Fuji stuff, because one of the lens types that like never really gets talked about because I don't think the cameras were terribly popular, um, uh, the um, Fuji AX mount stuff, AX FX, whatever that AX, something yeah. X. Um, so like, I've got a fifty mil one point six on that camera um have you have any of you guys mucked around with that at all because i'm guessing it's not
3: terribly popular it's, or common it's it's not a I've, I've just just quickly because i can say something on this one there guys have you have have you used this lens no Johnny? no no Perry? Uh, uh, nope. Nope. no yeah it's uh it's a, it's a it's a really really good lens um there, there were actually it's it's the second version as well because there was uh initially it was a 55 uh, 1.6 and I say initially it was it's a, it's a different lens but the uh, I've I've used the I've got more experience with the 55 and that's a lens I actually really really like um, and then the the 50 was brought out because there was a there was a shift somewhere I'm not entirely sure when it was in time but uh normal lenses the standard lenses were like 50 55s or 57s and 58s and then they started to get that little bit wider which I, I don't know what the trigger point was, but certainly the, the idea of a normal lens or a standard lens was that it's going to be this, the similar or the equivalent to what your eye sees. Um, and certainly, and in, in, I'm pretty sure there's going to be in most cases 55 mil or, or longer is, is going to be longer than people's normal sight. Um, I think arguably it's probably 40 something. Um, so I think that was a, that was that was probably behind the drive to take things down to 50 mil, but. The fifty one point six. That's it, 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 it's, it's a lot lighter than, than the fifty five. The construction of it's not not quite as nice, mm. um, but uh, in terms of the way that lens del- that it delivers optically, it's it's a really really good lens. It's a it's a it's a very solid uh, sharp lens. Um, so. Um, and I think it's, it's I think it's just an excellent all round lens. It's just a shame that you know, the, the the mount, if you do want to adapt it to uh, to to mirrorless, it's it, 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 your choice of adapters is quite is quite limited, and sometimes it's quite hard to find because I think they actually called it FX as well, mm. um, which really confuses things when you're actually trying to find something. So it's like one of my pet hates anyway with uh, when manufacturers um, reuse a name from the past. Whereas once you could actually find something like uh, you could do a search for Canon RF, and you, that would be a search for Canon rangefinders. Whereas now it's it's all the mirrorless ones, and the same goes with Olympus Pen. Uh, once upon a time, you could find the old uh, film camera lenses and cameras. Whereas now it's just bombarded with the uh, the, the latest uh, digital cameras.
2: Gotcha, but but worth looking out for though, because I, I mean it does seem that. Any lenses that Fuji make are probably going to be pretty darn good lenses. They they made good stuff, didn't they? Even the bad stuff's good. In yeah. the case
3: of that two point two, <laughs> I mean,
1: I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at some sample of photos, uh, and they look really good. It, it, this lens is, I mean, it's got to be just a just a double Gauss, right?
3: Yeah, I, I assume so. I, I've I don't I've not read anything to say it's anything particularly extraordinary. I think it's just yeah, in I mean, terms of its, it's uh, formulation.
1: Yeah, because the pictures just they look sharp. They look relatively well corrected except for a bit of field curvature, but that looks nice. Um, yeah, I think this, this is going to be a good lens, Graham.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I have used it w- once, mostly because I don't use the camera very often because it's got some light leaks in it and I've got quite a lot of SLRs. So, uh, okay, well, I'm not going to... To rush back to this one but the one roll of film that i did put through it um I, the color rendition was really nice and mm. yeah it, it did some really fun stuff it's like some of those pictures are still pictures i go back to now so um i either need to use that camera more or get an adapter to use it on my digital more um
3: does it does it say ebc on it as well has it got those letters saying ebc yes i think it does i will just double check though uh yes it is the ebc yeah i mean that that was their their version of uh, multi-coating um, so you got like with Pentax, you got super multi coating and all that kind of stuff, and the the, e, the EBC lenses from Fuji uh, were probably. Uh, Certainly, of the era, they were the most advanced uh, coatings, possibly more advanced than uh, than the Zeiss T Star coatings. So they've got a, a really really good reputation from from that point of view. And that lens as well is is also available on M forty two as well. But I think the cost of on M forty two is probably twice. I'm guessing what it would be on the uh, on the old Fuji mount as well. Yeah, I, I, think... I think that's hard to find.
2: Yeah, I think I picked it up pretty cheap as well. The lens for that, I got a, like a really nice condition one, just randomly on from Fords or somewhere years ago. And um, yeah, okay, cool. That's good to know. So, okay, you could probably of- adapt that to other mounts for film cameras as well. I know I've Ooh. seen. Um, yeah, I have seen uh, the um, FX to M42 mount adapters, but again, they're not super cheap and they don't come up very often.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, are we seriously? As in that like the old. The old FX mount to another, to like M42 or something like that. Is that what you...
1: Yeah, I swear I've seen people use um, the old EBC lenses on like a Canon DSLR.
3: Yeah, well, you, you could do it if, it, especially if it wasn't... That, that the question is, though, would it have been actually an EBC, but with an M42 mount? Because let's like say you, you could get them.
1: Uh, good question. Good question. Yeah.
3: I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just thinking. You know, it's a. It's a. It's a relatively obscure amount, and just. Just from the, um, the laws of uh, commerce, should we say, the the amount of money you've got to put into actually making adapters for these, you want to see a return, and it's a very. Yeah. very it's going to be a tiny market that would be.
2: Yeah, I, I just wonder whether maybe Fuji themselves made some adapters for people who, you know when they brought out the new, yeah, the new range of, um, I don't know. Okay, so... so um, only- wait, 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 just, just, just real quick. I'm looking up the flange distance,
1: uh, and the Fujika X-mount has the same flange distance as the
3: uh, Minolta SR. Ah, well, that is going to make it even harder then, because that's quite yes. a short one, relatively speaking. Yes. Yeah. So pretty much, yeah, that, that's tough.
2: Okay. Well, nuts. Okay, I've got a couple <laughs> more um of my M forty two fifty models. I want to find out where these fit into where, where I wrote. So, um and these are probably the two that I use the most. Uh the first one is, and I and I have used this quite a few times on my um X Pro, is the Pentacon one eight. Um uh-huh. just the sort of auto multi-coated bog standard one. Um I've really liked that. Well, I mean sure, that has some Real nice blur on it. Um, wh- where does that fit on your guys? <laughs> Is this really like, nope, throw it in the bin? Uh, I have that lens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got to say about that.
1: <laughs> I've taken... I've shot it once in the last
2: 10 years. It's, it's okay.
0: It's not a bad lens. Yeah. No, it's not
2: bad. I mean, for... Like, I, I have picked it up and I think I years ago I actually did some mucking around and try, I mean, you know trying out the different fifty miles in particular and I remember that I preferred this to actually um the Helios, I think at the time. I can't remember which one I was comparing it against, but um uh I I really like these Pentagon one eights like I said I'm Ooh, on the expert. So what did uh, it look like? <laughs> um it's got uh, it's round. It's got glass at the front and then look at the back. Oh, Glass at the back too. Um I how can I tell which version it is? Give me some clues. Um, well, how many aperture blades does it have? Uh okay. Uh, that I can probably tell you. Assuming that the um <laughs> diaphragm thing works on this one. Okay, uh, one second. I think it's five. surely they six. all have six, don't they?
3: Yeah, six. I think they all do, don't they? I'm, I'm just thinking because they the the prior model was the uh, Myrotic Orist- Um and then it just transformed it. To, I don't think there are actually that many different versions. I mean, it went on to the Pratica bayonet mount as well, but it was I swear there's the a version.
1: Place. I swear there's a version with, with more because I remember the, posting a shot of a, uh, a Bokeh shot with mine and then someone, I forget who, replied with a picture with like a 10
3: blade one. I could be wrong, but I think so. No, I think they were just criticising you for stopping it down to do bokeh shots and you're doing, <laughs> uh, hexagons. Uh,
1: does it have, Graham, does it have a button on the side that stops down the aperture?
2: Yes, it does have the uh, auto
1: manual thing on it. So you've got the same one that I've got, where it's got like a crazy long focus throw.
2: Yeah, it does actually, yeah. And it focuses and
1: pretty through, close as well. And the font is like orange or red and white?
2: Uh, I had this or thing in my for one second. ago. Like green? It is what Sorry, oh. bear with caller. Um so many lenses everywhere. No, it's just white
3: actually, it's very boring and white on this one. Huh oh. I think there, there are going to be several versions of that lens. Um, and, and just just as a as, as a point, I think when we we were talking about some budget lenses, not all starter lenses or something like that. I think this was actually a lens that I brought up as being a recommendation for for as a, as a great starter lens. Yeah, uh, but, you said you recommend it to everyone, but never use it. And that's exactly it. And that's more or less what I'm going to say now because I've I've got a couple of them, and I just just like Perry, I I never use it, um, but. I've seen some amazing photographs taken with that, and and some of these photographs, I think, have been done in a, a way that I don't think any other lens could have done it. So certainly, if you're doing the close-up stuff and it's and it's uh, shooting wide open, um, and you've got lots of small points of light that are going to meld together, um, there's it's it's capable of giving unique results. So I, I think that's a it's it's got to be a keeper. But it's it's it's, it's a funny thing, you know, I, I say it's it's criminally underrated and undervalued and, and, and such, but, you know, relatively few people want to use them, mm. um, and I don't really know why I don't want to use mine, or it's just a case of I've just got many nicer lenses, but... I think if you if you persevere with it and you get to know the character of it, I think you could you could really get some very interesting shots out of it.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. So I've got um just a couple more quick ones here and then I'll move on to other ones. So um this is although it is the most battered knackered lens I've got, In some ways it's kind of and then the the focusing is force a bit loosen it. It's my um Super Takamar one four. Um Yeah. Uh, 50, I I right? yeah. Um I really like this lens. I, I found this in a, um, well, antique places being over generous, but that kind of place. And I, I actually took in my digital camera to try it out to make sure it worked. Cause it's so knackered. And I was immediately so impressed by the, um, the color contrast and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. um, it, and it's the fastest lens I've got as well, because all the rest of my stuff is one or, um, or slower. Um, but Yeah. This this one what's the sort of what's the design of this lens is this the same as the Helios well, kind of stuff? Well, no no no. Do you have the 7 element or the 8 element? Uh, I am assuming that this it is doesn't a trick matter.
1: question <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh is it yellow? Uh it, it is the radioactive one, yeah. Okay. Um and the focus I assume is buttery smooth.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. so lenses
1: yeah. are sweet. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's a lens I really enjoy.
1: <laughs> Somebody's just throwing those well, I the mean, wind. there, there are There are excellent lenses. Um, are some of my favorites as well. I mean, as far as M42 lenses go, the 55-1.8 and the 51-4 Super Takamars are hands down, I think, my favorite. But Johnny, I think you have thoughts on the, the difference between the 7 and 8 element, right? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's a... Well... I, <laughs> Don't I mean... The, no, I mean, the only reason that... It, the only reason there any difference is that it's it's sharper completely wide open at short distances i mean great if that's your thing knock yourself out you know but i mean for actual photography you won't see any difference between them they're totally the same
3: yeah but what you've just actually said there is enough to make somebody want it more than the other
0: well, that, hey, great! They're going for about f- almost four hundred dollars now. So knock yourself out for that, <laughs> for that extra little bit of sharpness you get, so you can blow it up on your screen and look at it and say, "Wow, that's sharp." How about it?
2: So <laughs> what kind? Of, what you, you said before, like, that's, what some of the other lenses are particularly good for shooting. So like, what what kind of subject matter am I going to do well with with the one form?
0: That's just a great general-purpose real yeah. photography lens. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's 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 gr- it's it's great. It feels great to use. It has great colors, great contrast, great sharpness. I mean, there's nothing. There's no downside to that lens.
1: Gotcha. It's, the, it's so good at the both the 51.4 and the fifty-five-one-eight wipe yeah. the floor with this Konica that we're giving away. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the it's the best cheapest. Most excellent. Yeah. Le- I mean, it's like that. That lens was built to provide an image that looked "quote unquote" professional back in the day. That was the look people considered to be a professional look, and that was a professional level lens. Was the one point four, right? The one point eight was it? That one point four is the one you would have paid a lot more. That would have been like the professional lens that people aspired to, and, and the the rendering was was clean and sharp and contrasty with great colors. And that's what. Color is so good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what, exactly the template that they went after with that lens. And it, there's, I mean, there's no downside to that lens. You
1: know? I, I mean, Graham of the lenses that you've raised so far, you know, I, if you or any listeners are looking for uh, a classic lens that renders it, in a fairly modern way, you know, it's well corrected and sharp. Right it's hard to beat the Takumars for price. Whereas the other fifties you've raised, uh, with the exception of maybe the Fuji 51 six are more character lenses. Oh, right? Right, right, they have significant flaws that you can, you know, take advantage of to make images that you wouldn't be able to with some of these better corrected lenses. Yeah. But um, use yeah. the Takumar for it's been, And you know, there's something to be said as well for having a beat up lens, um, because you're just more inclined to use it and, and less likely to baby it.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, that's cool. yeah. All- Um I have got now. This is a fairly new thing for me. I have actually got a Leica Thread Mount lens here. Yeah, uh, because uh, because I am the proud owner. I don't know whether I don't know whether you are aware of this, Simon. I actually. Oh, the it under, Jupiter Twelve? Uh, of a uh, it, uh, no, it's not a Jupiter Twelve. It's yes. a Jupiter Eight. It's a Jupiter oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so um. Uh, I was very kindly given by the lovely Jeremy North a Fed 2. I don't know whether this has come up anywhere, but um, uh, <laughs> and um, and the Fed 2 has got, I, I think it's a Fed lens in it as a standard. I haven't got the camera right in front of me now, which I should have done. Um, but I'm, wh- whatever the standard lens is on the Fed, I'm assuming it's still, and it is a Fed lens, isn't it? Am I being
3: an idiot here? Uh, no. Well, some actually. Could be some of the old ones actually say Fed on there, but the chances are yeah. it's an it's an Industar yeah. of, of some description and uh, might maybe like a sixty-one or or a fifty, um, both of which I well actually the sixty-one I really I really 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 uh, dislike, um, but uh, it's probably it's one of that over fifty. But it's going to be a Tessar anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean I've just developed the first roll for my shot through that, and I have to say I was I'm really pleased with the results in that. The um the this it's a the lens has done a really nice job um but uh to go along with that um my friend alex alex Purcell, has given me this jupiter 8 lens God. so um that's going to be the next thing i try with this camera so what like what kind of differences am i going to see between these two lenses are they likely to behave in different ways? no 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 the the stock lens
1: is a four element tessar which simon loves so much <laughs> mm-hmm. um whereas the jupiter 8 is a copy of the zeiss sonar uh which is my personal favorite 50 millimeter lens design uh that is the only soviet lens that i enjoy using and that i that i use on a regular basis as well do you have a black one or a silver one
2: it's a black one because i'm cool oh yeah okay um i'm gonna be putting on the silver camera is that uh, i can never remember which way is acceptable and which way. no that's fine silver (laughs) lens on black camera that's no good
1: Black lens on silver camera, that's totally fine.
2: Oh, phew. Uh,
1: <laughs> what a relief. The, the <laughs> lens, yeah, the Sonar, it's got an interesting history because, um, I mean, we've talked about it loads on the podcast, but essentially it was a design from just before the era when lens coatings became a, a, a widely available thing. And so the way that the lens is designed helps boost contrast without needing uh, to use the, the ultra-modern coatings. Mm-hmm. So you are going to get a lot of interesting results of this design. It's going to be fairly soft wide open um, and as you stop it down, it it sort of transforms into another lens. So wide open versus stop down one stop, it's going to have kind of two different looks. The bokeh is going to be better controlled as you stop down. Uh, the, the sort of 3D poppy rendering you'll get out of a Jupiter 8 is very, very nice. Um, I This is a lens I would use almost exclusively for people and portraits.
2: Okay, Great, that's good to know. I'm looking forward to trying that one out. Seeing as you've just expressed so much love for Soviet stuff, I've got a couple more Soviet lenses here. We're going to move on now. So um, (laughs) let me grab this thing. I think this was made out of an artillery shell. So um, we're looking at 135 mil now. Um, Everyone's favourite format and your favourite. So this is, um, I don't know how to say this, Uh, the 11A. I think this thing has... I think it has all of the <laughs>
3: aperture yeah. blades. Yeah, all the aperture blades, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: It it weighs um a lot. It's pretty huge. I mean it, the, the 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 sturdiness of it is kind of impressive. Um uh, Okay, I'm going to actually let's talk about the two of these at once because I've got two lenses that are where's the other one? So the other one I've got is um equally heavy but not quite as big and bulky. And this is the Hmm. I don't know what that word is <laughs> because it's written in <laughs> Cyrillic. Um but um let's, so let's
3: say let's say Jupiter.
2: Let's say Jupiter. Okay, take Um so the lens is and it's so these are both uh got the at eleven A. So the let's say the Jupiter eleven A. So this is the um F four one thirty five and the Tea is the two point eight um yeah. one thirty five. Um they're both pretty heavy, they're both made of just, yeah, cast iron by the feel of it um but the jupiter is quite a lot smaller um and also uh, the jupiter doesn't have um the
3: preset selector
2: is that what did you decide hey, on as the name for these rings? In the uh, end?
3: well I, th- I think we decided not to talk about them ever again. <laughs> um, but uh but it did the, uh, the that jupiter does have a preset um because on the aperture ring if you i'm not sure if you if you pull it down or you lift it up it's probably on the spring oh yeah look at that does. Uh, there you go <laughs> um so that's that's your uh, combined preset and aperture ring um, okay yeah so uh yeah two really good lenses um two really ugly lenses at the same time as well. Um doing I'm I'm gonna call the other one the tear but I'm sure it's probably the tie here, but I'm gonna say tear. Um tear eleven eight. Um and that's the second well I say you can't say things these things definitively because there's so many different versions of uh of, of of these lenses but let's just let's call let's call it the uh uh the successor to the tear I think it's is it one three three I think the original one was a one three three, which is usually a silver lens, and then the later one is the A, and that's and and when you get uh, one of those Soviet lenses with the letter A after them, that means that it's also got a uh, an interchangeable mount on there i think the t2 mounts i think so you can actually unscrew the mount and you can if you can find one which it, it, it's always strikes me no, nobody ever seems to make them or you can never actually find these uh in different uh, different mounts but in theory you can unscrew it and put it onto a onto a screw a different mount on there and put it onto a different camera but everyone mm-hmm. i've ever seen has been the uh, m42 um yeah, so they they they're both the 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 ugly children of the of the lenses that came before, um, because the the Jupiter Eleven, as opposed to the Eleven A, uh, that actually came in about three different versions, um, or possibly even more. But uh, uh, the the M forty two Jupiter Eleven um, is one of my favourite lenses, especially if you get a good one. And you've you've mentioned there that we were, we've had a bit of a downer on one three five so That's that's not entirely true. Um, back in the day when we did an episode on on 135 lenses i think it was episode 11 actually off top of my head i don't know why we can remember that um but uh, we started talking about 135 lenses and uh, i think we opened it up like saying well we don't really use these lenses that much and then by the time we'd finished and we'd heard uh, Johnny's stories of uh, of, of Germans um, walking through uh, walking through the um, the mountains of Bavaria uh, with with a one three five lens. Um, we we came out of that episode absolutely loving one three five lenses. <laughs> um, and I've I've got to say it's as far as I mean I'm I'm doing more probably doing do more landscape photography uh, now, whether that be on film or on digital and 135 is my favorite focal length for landscapes. Um, and whether that be for just like picking out details or as I've done uh, quite, quite recently, I've been stitching uh, shots together uh, to, to make a wider scene. But you if you, when you do that, you can just like bring the scenery closer and then you, you take multiple shots and you have, have greater width at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, you're getting, you're getting best of both worlds, but the, the, the the tear is a lot of people love that lens. It's their 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 favourite one three five. I've never really got on with it. I've had a few of them and I always find the colours a little bit muddy compared to the the one that went before it, the one three three. Um I've I've liked almost everything I've ever seen of a one three three. Um whereas the the tear it's never quite done it for me. And the the eleven A, um I've heard lots of people saying that optically it's better than the um than the normal eleven but i've never I've never been drawn to it because it just it just looks so uninviting to use and it doesn't it doesn't feel particularly interesting to use at the same time and for me and I think a lot of people that use old lenses, the feel of a lens is every bit and sometimes more important than the output
2: yeah i mean the, the problem I found with the tear is that um especially using it with the X-Pro, that lens is significantly bigger and heavier than the camera is. So handling becomes something of an issue just to be able to manage it nicely. Um, So would you say that the Jupiter, if if I'm going to go out and take some pictures, the Jupiter is probably a good go-to with that.
3: Oh, definitely. It's it's a fantastic lens, and it's uh, it's one of those. I mean, I, I I tend to gravitate more towards the the, the, the faster lenses because I'm not a rangefinder pe- person like uh, Johnny and Perry. I, I like faster lenses, um, whereas I would I would absolutely pick up a. a, a a, a jupiter 11 over the over a tear or another uh, 2.8 lens potentially if i wanted to travel light and i wouldn't worry about it being that that little bit uh, slower because at the end of the day 135 you've got a, a pretty slim depth of field to work with anyway if you do, if you want to isolate yeah. things so yeah the only advantage really well the main advantage is you just get a brighter um viewing screen if you're using it on a dslr uh, with, a, with a with a faster lens so yeah i'm big big fan of the uh, the, the jupiter 11 range but i prefer the older type and i would and my my tip for using it on a smaller camera if you wanted to get a because you know i'm, I'm not recommended the, the 11a at all here um, but the i would say probably the optimum version for to use would be the contacts kiev version of that lens um, because it's very light it looks brilliant in my opinion or ridiculous depending on your on your viewpoint because it so just this, this long slim sil- silver lens. Um and there there is a it looks very, very similar to the to the LTM version, to the uh, the one for like a thread mount. Um but it's it's got a significant advantage over that one and that's that it's got a much closer minimum focus distance, which is just a really useful thing to have. Sometimes it doesn't make any difference. But if you've got a, a long lens and and you can't focus you can't focus on anything that closer than two meters away it's it's a bit of a handicap at times so uh but the downside about that that particular um, mount though is it's you've got to use a, a, a an adapter the chances are that somebody's hacked off a kiev camera um, back, of the, back somewhere in uh, ukraine or uh, russia and some are better than others gotcha
2: gotcha and so you're saying that with, like with these 135 lenses i'm better off taking them out and using them for doing landscape stuff rather than trying to do portrait stuff with them necessarily
3: uh, well, that's just that's just me, um, and it's in the case of it, it all depends on what camera you're using. It's on there as well. Um, so will it will it be 135 or will it be a crop of 135? But I mean, I've said this in in the past. I I used to use my Jupiter 11. All of the time when I used to use it as a walkaround lens on Micro Four Thirds, so it was, it was a two hundred and seventy mil lens effectively, and I used to use it all the time just to walk about and just pick details out. Yeah. Whereas I, you know I wouldn't dream of going out with a two hundred and seventy mil lens on on full frame. It's just a really odd thing, but it just it works really well on crop, and it and it sort of you sort of work around the focal length and you it, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where you, you're restricted, you've got something that's a little bit odd and then eventually you eventually your, your, mind becomes attuned to what you're going to be able to see with that, that kind of odd focal length. And then you start spotting details like, Oh, that's going to work with this.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree with Simon on that. I think, um, you know, the, tr- the conventional wisdom in, uh, among digital photographers is use 85 to 135 for portraits but i i am with simon i like using long lenses for scenery mm-hmm. picking out details especially distant details uh because when i'm shooting portraits i like to be able to talk to my subject um and not have to sort of stand you know a mile away and yell at them Gotcha.
2: No, that's good advice. Because I think when I've tried to use, I, I took out um, my Olympus with a one three five lens recently, and um, I, th- I was just trying to use it like a 50mm. I was just walking further away from things like, okay, yeah. this is, I'm not using this for what it's meant to be used for. I've got one more um, 135mm lens I want about. So I know that this is not one of the cool cool lens names, but um, I know that they sometimes made good lenses, and I just want to know whether this one's worth my effort of, of actually trying out. Um, and this is a Tamron so this is a, a specific weird thing. This is a Tamron twin Tele lens. Mm. So it's got uh a hundred and thirty-five mil bit and then an adapter with glass in it, which turns it into a two hundred something something criteria um are these worth trying out at all? Or is it you know it's a similar kind of size and weight uh, and heft to the um two Russian lenses already mentioned?
3: Have you, have you tried one of these? No. No, I, I know I know the lens, and I've I've come across that lens a, a few times, and I was I was having a um, I don't know, if, I'm not sure if I was chatting to Nasir um, because uh, just just briefly, yeah, yesterday I was at the Wolverhampton Camera Fair, and. Um, and Nasir Hamed uh, came up and had a chat with me. And that's somebody... I've mentioned Nasir's name and uh, Graham uh, knows uh, Nasir because... Uh, I know because I know
2: Nasser. I think he's a relation. <laughs> I, I,
3: no, not Hussein. Not Nasser Hussein. Uh, Nasser <laughs> Hamed. And, um, and because that's, that's a, that's, that was who you were with when you uh, got shouted at taking the... Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I blame him in time. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> there's just a, an, as, as an aside, actually, that... Um, I've been talking to this chap, um, for about two years and I only actually realized it was Nasir uh, yesterday. <laughs> when he mentioned like he, he commented on Twitter or something that I said and goes, what's, what's your name? Because I didn't actually know, I've never known what his name was. He goes, I'm Nasser Hamid. i <laughs> like, you know, it was just absolutely bizarre. It was, you know, this person that I've known, I now know him and I already, I already knew him before. So it was a really, really weird, uh, event there. But, um, and I've completely lost my train of thought now. What was I what was I about to talk about there? Because there was something relevant.
2: Uh, the Tamron lens? Was it relevant? Uh, that,
3: to- yeah. Um, oh, that was it. Once once upon a time, I would, whatever lens that would come into my possession, that I would be dying to get it onto my camera. And just, just to see what it did. Because back in the early days, um, I'd be just like amazed that a a lens would be even capable of taking a photograph that wasn't designed for the camera. This was back when I was doing on things on Micro four thirds, you know, and especially things like the old Jupiters. I think they'll just look so ridiculous and amazing at the same time. It just encouraged me to try all these wacky and weird things, you know, so it wouldn't really matter what the lens was. I just want to get it onto my camera and just try it out just in case it's like some kind of grail lens that's going to just do something amazing for me. Um, But, as I've you know, I'm I'm now professionally involved with uh, with with camera equipment and I've tried so many lenses in the past and so many lenses you can almost like predict what that lens is going to be like because you've tried so many similar lenses and you've not heard about this lens uh, saying anything remarkable well that so i i just don't try everything anymore now and that's one of those lenses that i've come across on a few times i'm thinking yeah it's going to be it's going to be okay it's going to do pictures it's probably all right on film i probably wouldn't shoot slide film with it Mm -hmm. and it's and it's going to be a bit you know, it's going to be pretty much soft until it's probably stopped down to within an inch of its life um, yeah. if I put it onto digital. And, you know, that's, that is my take on that lens. Having never used it, I reckon that will be what it's like.
2: That's good to know. Better to do that than waste the roll of film finding out. <laughs>
3: yeah. um, you can always try and put it onto your Fuji and just, you know, give it a look. Yeah. You might be, you know, it, it might be that Grail lens, which is actually, you know, the, it's the next trial plan that everybody's going to start paying £500 for
2: yeah that'd be convenient i've got oh, a so.
3: more...
2: <laughs> i've got a couple <laughs> more things i want to ask you about um these are more you know, I've, got, I've got i've got more lens, but i think we've talked enough about sp- very specific things but this one is so um uh linden from londonian cameras who i know you've had on here in the past uh last year i was down visiting him collecting some cameras and he gave me a lens he very kindly gave me a lens um uh, because it's quite scuffed <laughs> i think it, i think it's safe to say that it might not be in um uh, a one top mint plus plus it's plus condition. Yeah. Um and it, it is a uh, Nikon um 105 two point five um mil lens. No F two point five hundred and five mil lens that way around. Um and that was fantastic except I didn't have a Nikon body. So then my friend aforementioned friend Alex uh, very kindly gave me a Nikon F three oh one body to use it on. Um, but I'm not sure what's going on with the metering or not metering of this. So I I was using this last weekend and uh, I don't know what this lens is doing with regards to the body that it's talking to Mm. (laughs) or not talking to because no adjustments I make on the aperture is changing the meter reading. Um, Is there something that I can do to change that or do I just have to ignore that? And what's happening? Uh, I was
3: going to say before Perry says something, (laughs) uh, we're in this hangouts chat and uh, you can tell when somebody's muted, um, and when they the, where the mic is open and uh, Johnny's mic has been muted forever now and uh, Pe- Pe- Perry's mic was, uh, was was muted and as soon as you said uh, Nick on uh, 105 2.5 it went straight off mute <laughs>
4: just, no, just no.
3: ready to talk I was
1: pouring myself a beverage I didn't want to make noise with <laughs> right. liquids
3: so, so Perry, um, I think I think we've we've got some things that we might want to say on this, but I'll let you. I'll let you
1: know well, I, well, I was going to ask him which version he has, yeah, because um, that would explain the the metering coupling.
2: Okay, well, um, you're going to need did, to tell me how I can tell you what
1: version. I've got. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, is it? Does
2: it have silver bits on it? Uh, yes, it has the okay. um, uh, has a silver thing um, just in front of the um, aperture reading, and the nose of it is silver. Uh, okay, yeah, so you have the early
1: uh, non-AI sonar version, which optically is the, the good version. I, I, have, I have three of these lenses. I don't know why. Um, but I think Simon can better explain the actual impact on the cameras because uh, it confuses me every time.
3: Well, I was going to say time. we 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 do actually. Uh, I, I I just need to put a disclaimer in there when I said like when you've just said that the Sonar is the best optical optical version of this lens. Oh, sorry, that's that's our opinion. No, it's and, the uh, worst
1: uh, one optically, but. No, I, that makes it the best.
3: Yeah, we 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 like it the most because it's a it's a it's a sonar variant, and uh, we 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 always like sonar variants of everything. Um, but I think the, I, I really do think we need to actually hand this one over to Johnny because he is a, a world-renowned expert and on on Nikon and loves to talk about Nikon whenever possible. So you know, what's really funny about this.
0: Um, I I've been gone for like the past five minutes because I just had to go for a bathroom break and uh, fill up my uh, my 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 ginger juice. So as soon as I get back, Simon says he's introducing me to talk about something. So, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: okay. It's, uh, which, which, which body was it again, uh, Graham?
2: So it's a, a Nikon F301 and okay. it's got this non AI 105 no, no, no. millimeter. That, that's, it
3: that's it. So, uh, well, they, there you go. Um, there's uh, there, there may be a problem with the metering and mounting this lens on the camera, Johnny. Uh, Wait, it's, the, it's, it's a, pre ni- AR, pre a Nikon F F3? three, F three hundred one, three hundred one, F three hundred one. It's one of the oh. weird
0: plastic thingies. It's oh one of the, it's yeah, one of the
3: autofocus ones, isn't it? The three hundred one. So, is, is that an autofocus one?
0: No, I, I don't think so. I, I'm I'm looking it up really quick. This exact, I can't tell the 3 no, and 4 digit No, it's I I it, all of these 3 and 4 digit Nikons that were made in like the you know 80s through 90s just
3: kind of like all mushed together Yeah uh for not me that. I'm pretty sure that's an autofocus one 301 no I don't know.
0: no 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 it's 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 a, it, i'm looking at the wiki right now it is a manual focus auto exposure film camera mm-hmm. auto film loading and advancing it looks just there the same go.
3: as like the first the first generation of the Nikon autofocus lenses it, autofocus cameras, but, basically uh, yes yeah. so
0: the F301 is notable for being the first Nikon SLR sold that lacked a film advance lever
2: so yeah it's known. good you, it, it, it makes a fun noise so Simon yeah, Duran movie. Simon, you're probably <laughs> confusing it with the uh F uh five oh one.
3: No, I am I am and uh, the seven oh one. I can just remember the, the that, that range of cameras coming out, but I didn't actually realize it did a, a non autofocus version yeah. of so uh, that body.
0: Yeah, so th- so so this this that that lens is gonna be a problem on this camera. <laughs> I'm just gonna go right, right. out on a limb and say that because I uh I highly doubt that they, they put the a uh, button on the lens mount so that you could mount non AI lenses on that camera.
2: So uh, would I, because uh, so the problem I've been having is that as I've been looking through and I've been adjusting the aperture, it hasn't been changing the meter reading, but no. I've just, I've just been hoping that when I press the shutter button, it's going to close it down. Is no, that it's
0: not, not going to do a damn thing. <laughs> oh
2: <Uh-oh. laughs>
0: yeah. No, it's not going to do a damn thing. Um, it's yeah. There's no aperture linkage between the two. The only way it's going to work is if you, um, Manually turn the aperture to the working aperture you you want to use for your shot. So the camera is not going to control the aperture.
2: But um, there's no way of doing that, is there? On these lenses, you can't because there's not a a manual button like those on the M42 lenses. Can you can you force it by like
1: taking it off the camera? Does that work?
3: Now I'm confused. Now.
1: Oh, am I just talking crap? There's no way to make it actually stop down on the
3: camera? So I thought it would no. Stop no down I've, anyway. It would, it would you, stop down, it, doesn't it? Yeah, if you turn the
0: aperture ring, it'll close the aperture. The problem is um, you may or may not be able to successfully mount that lens on the camera without damaging the camera and or the lens. Because, you know, Nikons are highly compatible with each other. All Nikon <laughs> well,
2: lenses go on all Nikon cameras. I mean, it's just kind of fitting on here fine.
0: Yeah, See, it'll, it'll fit on there, and it won't work right.
2: Right, so the chances are that the roll of film I've got through here is probably going to be, all be shot wide open. Wide open, yeah. Oh, good. well, at least I know that now, and I can make choices yeah.
3: based around so that. I, I thought that you would actually damage that little tab that's on the mount. Yeah you, mount yeah. yeah, you probably so will. Yeah, you probably will. So you may have actually broken your camera anyway.
2: Well, no, the, I mean, the lens, the, um, it all seems to... This a little button to here. Um, oh, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm going to persevere because this is the this is the first um, Nikon that I've ever had in my hands. Um, so, and also the only Nikon lens I have for it. So, we're going to see this through to the bitter bitter end, one way I, I or the other. <laughs> the
3: bitter end might have already happened. Uh, that's that's the uh, that's the concern. I, it's just not compatible with that with that camera right because
2: um, i mean um, as you said i thought the whole thing with the nikon stuff is that it's all supposed to be yeah that's a big friend.
0: big fat lie yeah that's a <laughs> big fat lie that the nikon people in their little nikon bubble like to believe
2: okay which <laughs> thing is it most likely i've broken the lens or the camera or both <laughs> probably the camera okay well sadly, um what camera could i get to use that lens on
3: what would be uh, like the cheap? Y- what would be the cheapest way for me to get Nick- a, a Nikon body to try that lens with? That'd be a what? nickel, a nickel mat of some description, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, you get a Mat. Okay, cool. There's loads of those out there. Nobody wants them. Cool beans.
0: <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, n- mat lovers, please write us and tell us how much you love your Mat. because I can't give the damn things away where I work. I can't give them away. I can't. If I threw them at someone, I'd hurt them. So, I can't throw them at people. So, They're so
1: cheap here as well. No one wants them. Okay. Nobody wants
0: them. Okay, well, I'll look into that next. Yeah, thing, get, a, the- get a knicker mat that nobody wants really cheap. Great okay. lens. Yeah, and Ooh. it's actually a great camera. It's just a freaking dinosaur. I okay. mean, in the
2: worst way. All right, so. um, I've, got, I've got one more question for you guys. But before I move on to that, should we do some more um, haikus? Could,
0: sure. Don't you think we should hear from our
3: sponsors before we? <laughs> do <some more> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's 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 hear our sponsor's message, uh, uh Johnny. Well
0: as 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 everyone may know, we are the Classic Lenses Podcast is sponsored by Jepsons Malord. <laughs> uh Jepons Millard being of course the uh the uh the, the, the bitter Swedish schnapps liqueur made here in Chicago is a full-bodied flavor with uh, unusual botanical. Uh, and its, its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers everywhere. So um, we want to thank Jepson's Malord for, for sponsoring Classic Lenses podcast. Um, and you know that unique taste. Everybody has its own, uh, its own, uh, their, own, their own thoughts on what it tastes like. But every time you, you drink a Jepson's alert, you are striking a blow for freedom. Uh so I I think you you know, have a Jepsons alert. It tastes like Trump spray tan at an impeachment hearing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, this this is where we do the uh the, the, the disclaimer. Um, that, uh, that that sponsors sponsor's message was not uh, endorsed in any way by Jepson, the Jepsons company.
2: No, not yet. <laughs> Only a matter of time with
3: that quality. Only a matter of time. Okay, so uh, back onto the haiku.
2: You, I think you should read this email from Albert Strauss, Simon. Because
3: oh, it's, it's long. It's, it's far too long for me, so let's uh, let's hand that one back over to uh, our professional uh, reader, uh, Johnny, who's just, who's just put the mute on.
0: <laughs> I just put mute on. I was like, oh, great, now I don't have to pay attention again.
3: <laughs> Where are
0: we? Oh,
3: Albert, Albert Strauss. Strauss.
0: Okay, Albert Strauss. Um... Uh, I'm going to read. I guess he he wrote a preamble to his haiku. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and, yes. A <laughs> and a postamble. And a postamble, yeah. Okay, so Albert Strauss says, "Dear Classic Lenses team, I only knew that a haiku consists of three lines. First, it became a bit clearer after reading about it, but the more you read, the more confused you get." There does not seem to be rules on what a haiku really is. Perry's like losing it over there. Also, the rules regarding the amount of syllables is just a rough recommendation. Some say there has to be a hint of the season time in it. Some definitions say that that is not necessary. Some say there has to be a contrast in the meaning of the word. Some say that is not important. Some say it is not allowed to rhyme. Some say that it can rhyme if it fits. After all this confusion, here is my first and probably last haiku. <clears throat> Angles of view, wide, narrow, make some... I got to start over. <laughs> Angles of view, wide, narrow. Some make you blue, some might strike you.
1: Is he writing about the police I, in Hong Kong?
0: <laughs> maybe he is. So and then, he's, then he goes on in the post he goes on to say, if it helps... Here is a bit of interpretation why I have chosen these words. So, Perry, you're about to find out. Uh, although I'm not sure if that is the true meaning that haiku really allowed. Uh, the aspect of time, strike, uh, blue strike, think blue color and Hong Kong. Ah. Now, you've got a, now you've got a link to the show and to our current times of the clash of angles of view slash systems, etc. But... It might also mean the feeling of blue as contrast to something that strikes you in a positive or negative way as it evokes feelings. Angles of view could also refer to wide and telly. Uh, Now you've got the link to photography and also your discussion regarding perspectives. As a side note, Simon is wrong, Perry is right, but I don't want to open that box again. (laughs) (laughs) If that all causes confusion, don't forget that you have asked us to write such a thing as a haiku so the confusion might be intentional. Best wishes and keep up the great work, Albert.
1: So I really like this one. Uh, He put a lot of thought into it, and even though it's 744 syllables...
3: um, <laughs> yeah, so he's broken yeah. all the rules. But you know yeah, what well that, that might be that might well be part of you know he's clearly knows more about these haikus than any of us by what he's exactly. actually just written there.
1: Albert's done his homework, you know. I'ma shoot people on the street. He can do a 744 haiku, you do you. I like this one a lot.
2: Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, if if you know if Ferry says it's also, okay, then it's okay by me. Also, Simon, did you
1: actually end up writing to your own other show about perspective? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um
3: we 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 did we did touch upon it, um and and it, it
2: uh, oh. um. <laughs> yeah that's the correct sound to make. Let's move on. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm going to read the next one. This is from Andy Clement again. A second. People love writing these haikus. You know what I think? I think people should just keep sending you haikus because they clearly enjoy it. Just keep sending them into the Classic Lenses podcast. They will yeah. always read them. That's going to get bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> um. So okay, here we go. What lens should I use because of that podcast? Can't sell any.
3: Totally understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the same one. It's that, that uh, the same
2: one, isn't it? Why did you put that one? It's Simon. <laughs> I mean, you, you literally put Oh, God. Oh, well, that's, why I put, that's
3: why I put again on there.
2: <laughs> <sighs> and it's still not got the right number of syllables in it. It's okay. Exactly another the go. Same one. Yeah, exactly the same one. Simon, you're fired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, on with the next one then, because just nuts to you guys. Um, this is from Sammy Rifat. Rifat, sorry, Sammy. Um, uh, this one is a new one. Uh, Top mint plus 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 in beautiful condition. Has some tiny dusts. That seems very relevant for you guys. I like tiny dusts.
3: Yeah, that, nice. That's 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 certainly one of my favorite phrases that ever came out. Show, <laughs> especially when Carl would say it. it yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a special way that he would actually say that that phrase. <laughs> Sometimes you get one remarkable dust.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got a couple more right down the bottom that aren't from Paul Friday. Because then we're going to say the Paul Friday monster yeah. of haikus. Um, but awesome. should we do the last couple that aren't from Paul Friday first? Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
3: I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do the, do the next one. This is from James James Cleveland. Who um, listeners, it's all James's fault um, because yeah, we we like the idea of poetry, and then he came up with the idea of doing haikus. So it's uh it's only fitting that he actually got round to actually writing one for us as well but so i think he did it as a joke and uh we took it we took it took, took it up um okay so uh creamy rendering actually was that meant to be oh, no 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 there's uh it's uh, sorry I, it it doesn't help being dyslexic and then i've <laughs> actually not actually put these on the right line so uh let's no, no 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 again. he's doing, he's doing on jambon it's all Is good it? carry on yeah okay that word um <laughs> So I, I still better start again. I'll I'll read it as it's as it's uh, down down here, um, which is probably wrong. Uh, creamy rendering divides all seek, but few find. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, the sublime the sublime ooftar. Simon, Simon,
1: you live in England. Did you never study English literature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you when you read a poem with enjambment, if the if the uh, uh, if the punctuation carries on to the next line, you just keep going and read it as normal. Flow with the haiku. Flow with the uh,
2: haiku. <laughs> no matter how many times you say enjamble, but none of us are going to know what you're talking about. Perry, repeating it isn't going to help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you carry on. Okay. Uh, Johnny, do you want to take this last one from um, Rakesh Rakeshna? Yes, two. Oh, there you go. You got two. Wait, we jump, we
0: jump, down. Right we jump? We'll jump
2: down. Right, right to the bottom. We jump down right to right. the bottom? Right to the bottom.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, can I read this whole, whole bit
3: here? Uh, well, there was, there was just a, an edit and there's an editor's note in there. Oh,
0: there's an there's, editor's note. That, I that, see that, was, it. that editor's was, that note. was there,
3: um, for, uh, Graham's benefit to, uh, right. so he could, okay. he could just like come out with words of wisdom as if Oh, that's, that's impressive how we knew that. And, uh, <laughs> but we've, uh, we've seen to have gone away from that.
0: <laughs> right.
3: Okay. Um, well, Rakesh says a couple of my haiku
0: efforts for the lens challenge. Hopefully I've not missed the cutoff. Apparently you've not
3: missed the cutoff. Well, he we're did, about to read we did, but we did, but seeing the we oh, okay. Rikesh is, so you, is, is a bit special for us, isn't it? You did uh, miss
0: the cutoff, but we're gonna read them anyway. So yeah, we, to go with the haiku, maybe oh, there's but, rules, maybe there's not thing, we're yeah, just gonna they, yeah, yeah Rakesh
3: has a has a as a buy on this one. Uh, yeah, do if that will actually know if that means anything to anybody outside of the UK. But uh, the, and that's that um he he was the person behind the gear acquisition monkeys T shirt. Yes, Uh, that uh, that uh, came out as uh, as a result of an insult uh, by Graham on the on the Sunday 16 podcast about us. So uh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, we love Rakesh.
0: Yeah, so so I guess he has two here. One is an official entry, and one is just kind of his mucking about, I guess. Uh, So I'll read them both. The first one is Classic Lenses Podcast: Mounting on Mirrorless was simple. Now a gateway to film. All right, so that was his kind of his warm up. here is his official entry. Official entry. Haiku. Gear acquisition monkeys. eBay Hell awaits you now. Top mint equals shit.
2: <laughs> uh, that's that's a, a definite contender. Yeah, I would say that's definitely seven seven five though. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even jump a liar, right? So you know, whatever.
4: I I, um,
3: I thought we've now we've now established that if it conforms to the correct terminology it's now wrong
2: <laughs> I think as long as it's got three lines I'm happy with it yeah. and, and as you know the final um, before we tackle Paul, Paul Friday's um, or some of Paul Friday's we're not reading all of yours Paul because holy muck moly um, but I have one last question whilst I've got the three of you lens brains on here I have one last lens related question I would like to ask you so my um, favoured 35mm camera system of choice is the uh, Olympus OM system. Uh, I love Mm -hmm. my Olympus. I've got an OM-1, I've got some OM-10s. I really enjoy using them. Um, And I've got the basic lenses. So I've got the 50mm 1.8, I've got um, the not so great 135mm 3.5, and the 28-2.8. So a real basic set. Um, But this is the camera system that I most like using. And if I'm gonna buy a lens again, it's going to be for that system. Um, and I'd like your advice on what would be a good lens to add to those three to oh. give me something more. Um the yeah. one that I've looked at in the past was the twenty one mil three five, I think. I might yeah. misremember it, but um, you know, I it, within reason on the budget I, you know i can't spend super massive amounts of money so it needs to be not the super high-end one but i also appreciate that anything beyond those three is not going to be super cheap either so sure yeah what advice can you give me
1: well but so just repeat one more time the three you
2: have because i missed
1: the second one i got 51.8
2: I've got the one three five three point five and oh. the and I've also got an Elicar um three an Elecar two point eight, which I think is just some random um but it's quite nice. Well, um
3: what focal length is the Elecar? It's a, that's a hundred and thirty five oh, mil as well. Yeah, that's and that's, that's a that's in. that's a decent lens. I Oh really? I believe yeah, you know, i I didn't think I'd ever hear that name again, but um I've I've tried one of those and uh it was pretty damn excellent you might want to just if you ever feel like um put them onto your onto your fuji and just just trying the two against each other i think you'll be quite surprised about how good that lens is
2: yeah i mean i did sh- i have shot a roll with that one and i have to say out of the two rolls of film that i've shot with 135 mls um i did prefer the stuff <laughs> from the other car um it, it it had more character to it um the the um, uh, 3.5 olympus one it was okay but it was just I, it, it didn't do anything for me. So, okay, that's that's good to know. Um, so, yeah, and that, just the 2.8, um, 28 millimeters, just those ones, are the ones I've got so yeah. far.
0: Well, I, 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 am I the biggest Olympus fan here?
1: Uh, I really like my OM-1.
0: Okay, all right, all right. I, so, Perry, you want to... I like the lenses more than the cameras. Okay, so we're all somewhat on the spectrum of Olympus fandom. You should go first, though. I should go first?
4: Yeah. Yes. Yes okay because. all right all
0: right well so olympus is my olympus and minolta are my two well they're the only two slr systems i i, I am retaining um i don't really shoot slr as much anymore but i keep those because they're excellent and if i you know if i want to use them i, I still want to have them around so i'm a, i am also a big olympus fan uh especially the om2 um and I mean, you, yeah, you already have, you know, the 51.8s a great lens. The 28s are nice. So I, I guess my thought would be, well, had two or three lenses come to mind. Um, certainly the 21 millimeter 3.5 yeah. is excellent. Um, that would give you a bit of, a bit of difference from the 28 millimeter. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, right. It's going to be noticeably wider. Significantly. Uh, yeah, exactly. The otherwise I would say the 28, the 24 millimeter 2.8 is really, really a great lens, but it's going to be very similar to your 28. So I, you know, I'd probably say, yeah, go right for the 21. Um, if you want to go crazy, the other one would be, of course, the, the 40 millimeter F2. So there's a lens that's, I would love to have that lens and, and don't have it. So, so so what's so special
2: about that lens? Well, it's 40 millimeters, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, All right. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry. Silly me. It's, it's not fifty millimeters. Therefore, more special. Yeah, this is this being
0: this the the special forty millimeter giveaway show. I mean, this yeah. is a this lens would be a fine contrast, I think, to the well, the. No, Perry, Perry, go! No, go for it, Perry.
1: Well, I just was like Graham requested a relatively budget lens, right?
0: Right. That's why I was saying go crazy, right? Uh, this is not. That's not going to be a budget lens. Nor would the fifty-five millimeter one point two be a budget lens. So, but, the, but, but the <laughs> I would say the other one you could look at would be a one hundred millimeter 2.8. eight, or the okay. f two. Well, and, yeah, I. But again, budget. Thinking budget.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're just recommending him the most expensive. one. <laughs> None of these lenses are going to be very cheap.
0: Um, so I don't. Uh, yeah, so, I don't. I don't know that the the well, yeah the yeah. I mean, all of them are going to be a little on the pricey side.
2: Yeah, I mean, is there any good reason to look at the? Bear in mind, I've already got the fifty-one eight. Is the fifty-one worth looking at? Is it much of an upgrade, or would I be better off if I really want to get a faster fifty mil, saving up all of the money and getting a one two? Well,
3: uh, okay, <laughs> we'll on this, aren't we?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> cool. I have. I, I can speak a little bit, maybe from experience, because I have. I think all of those lenses mentioned. I have the mm-hmm. fifty-five. uh the fifty-five or the fifty. I have the the 51.2 um, and I have the 51.4 and I have the 51.8 and I, th- I think the, the, I think the only advantage I would have to look at the lenses again to, to, to double check this cause I get them confused with my Minolta's. But um, to me, the one big advantage of the 51.4, I hope I'm saying this right and I'm not thinking of the Minolta um, is that, when you shoot a 51.8 right it has 1.8 and then the next the next click stop on the aperture is 2.8 right now if you get a 1.4 it has a click stop at f2 and i find that as a usability thing is really nice so yeah. to me the one advantage would be the 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 clicked f-stop at at f2 Because really, yeah, yeah, really to me, F2 is like, you know, the widest usable aperture on a faster than 1.8 lens, right? So the 51.4, I'm not really going to shoot at 1.4. And the F1.2, I'm not going to shoot at 1.2. I'm going to maybe shoot it at 1.4, but I'm probably going to shoot all of them at F2. So to me, that's just a usability thing. It's nice to have a click stop between... What the widest aperture and two point eight? They they also
1: look quite different in the way they render wide open. If you have yes bokeh boke balls in the background, especially mm-hmm. um, because the fifty one point four om it does something that not that many other lenses do. Where I don't know how to describe it. Like the uh, towards the edges, the the hard edge of the bokeh ball. Yeah. It points towards the center of the frame. Yes. Which then softens as it fades out. Yes. And And there are a couple lenses that do that, but not too many. And it's a pretty cool look.
0: Yeah, and Carl famously was like the, to me, Carl was the master of the 51.4 OM. Um, of course, he was not the master of finding ones without fungus. He was the master of finding bad ones. So uh, a,
2: a lot of Olympus lenses, seemed, I think most of the 50mm 1.8s I've come across, have, have got a bit of fungus in them.
0: Yeah, they <laughs> they tend to be magnets. Um, and, and my understanding of the 51.8 is that the front, block is sealed so it's not like you could get in there and clean it either um but the yeah they, they tend to be fungus magnets uh but i'm i'm with perry on this um carl used to take these shots even on his micro four thirds stuff uh he used to take shots with the 51 four that would have that beautiful i call it like a scalloped yeah because it because perry it did a great description of it it's like the bokeh the balls on the outside, you see the roundness, but then it kind of fades out in the middle. So they don't make circles. They make like half moons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. They make sort of half moons pointing towards the center of the frame, towards the center of the lens. And I think it's a really, really nice look. And I, so I, I'm, I'm with Perry on that. It's, it's a unique looking uh, rendering wide open. And for that reason, it might be nice to have that lens. Okay. Yeah, I, I
2: like that look too. And they're not stupid expensive, are they, the one? No. Yeah. No, no. There's quite a lot of those out there. Cool. Thank you very much for your help with that, because that is the, kind of the only thing I that I ever look at. I think it'd be nice to get some more lenses for this system. Yeah, so,
3: um, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I no, was going to say,
3: can, can I have a go, please? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and um, I just just uh, talking about the, the 51.4, yeah. Um, Actually, just there was just a point then that uh, Johnny made about fungus. It, the fungus is okay if you if it's in the front elements. It's it's when it's at the back of the lens is when it, it disaster strikes. But getting getting the, the the rear elements is an absolute nightmare on those things, whether it be the one one eight or the one four. Um, and that's I think that's the reason why Carl gave up on. Trying to fix lenses actually because of because of that lens. <laughs> um, but uh, a couple couple of things there. There's a couple of versions as well uh, because you got the older style which yeah. um, have yeah. got like a chrome ring on the front and uh, we which we call those chrome noses. Uh, the later ones that don't have that we don't call them black noses. We just. Don't them anything. It's, just, uh, it's just if you've got a, if you've got the chrome there it's a chrome nose and there's a there's a, a, a difference between the lenses not necessarily optically i don't think there's a difference optically um, but certainly there's a difference in coatings and uh, and actually, Olympus were a bit of a funny one this time because some some of their lenses you're never quite sure whether it's single coated or uh, or multi coated as well. And you think, well, does does that really matter? In in some respects, it doesn't, but it depends on just how nerdy you you want to get, and how obsessive you want to get. Um, but I've I've certainly experienced. Uh, a difference in contrast and the overall look of the out of focus areas uh, between identical lenses uh, whether they be silver nose or or, um, or, or the conventional ones and the, uh, the silver noses just tend to lack a little bit of contrast which is pretty much what you would expect with uh, a lesser um, going on in the way of, of uh, coatings there but sometimes that can be more attractive uh, in the out of focus areas. Um, the other thing about the fifty one point four i've not actually i've never used one on full frame but i've i used one a lot on micro four thirds and again the the, the and i i also went through a phase of comparing all different fifty one point four lenses and uh, it was it was probably the one of the weaker lenses in terms of outright sharpness and the the outer focus area could sometimes be quite i would describe as uncouth at times <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are other times where that exactly that thing that can be a little bit dodgy. In the right circumstances, it could produce something that's quite unique as well, and and that's and uniqueness is something that you know was classic lens users and the ones that uh, those of us that like to have a lens for a reason and therefore justify its space in the cupboard or on the shelf. Then you yeah, know that that lens does it can deliver something that's quite different from anything else. So that I think that's a, a big thumbs up um for for that lens um in terms of other other lenses out there you, you know you just from a practical point of view you've got 20 28 covered 50 mils covered and then there's a big gap uh between 50 and 135 and there's a it's it's not a cheap lens um but there's a great lens that uh goes into that gap I mean, we've already mentioned the, the the 100 2.8 which is not expensive, and that's a decent solid lens. Mm-hmm. But the 85 F2, um, which has been steadily going up in price as these things do, um mm. it's that's an excellent lens. It's it's uh, and it's possibly the smallest um eighty-five millimeter um fast uh lens out there, and it's it's a lovely handling lens. In fact, it do, it feels barely bigger than the um than the fifty one point four. Um, it's almost, it feels like it's almost the same size as it. It's a little bit longer, but it, it's got exactly the same feel. And I think that's one of the things about Olympus lenses. I think they feel great. Um, I think few lenses feel as solid as, as, as these Olympus OM lenses. And uh, really, yeah, I, I, I love the feel of uh, yeah, it. I, I, like I love too. that focus ring. I think it's absolutely
1: yeah, no, I I like them as well. That's just, that's the one I would put that as their weakest point compared to other stuff I've got.
0: Right. Well they're 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 definitely not as solid feeling as it, as your run of the mill Takamar, I would say. But they're right. and I think that's largely down to that large rubberized focus focus yeah. ring, right? As yeah. opposed to like the you know, an
3: all metal focus scallop focus ring or something. Yeah. But
4: even the actual no, rings feel a little
1: bit loose and you
3: know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that there'll be so so really just to answer answer the thing that the yeah, it just seems like unless you wanted to go wide, and you've already alluded to uh, the much wider. I mean, actually, we talked about di- sure. saying there's not not much of a difference between twenty four and twenty eight. There is. There's a, a huge difference. difference. Yeah. So um, that that in itself is you might you might actually head for a twenty four and ditch the twenty eight, and mm-hmm. then then you might end up uh, edging yourself more towards say the the one hundred um, as as well maybe.
1: Okay. Wait. Wait. Can, can I jump in with one other reco here? Um because Johnny has al- since Johnny's already brought up the 5512 and 40 F2, so we're kind of out of the budget range. The 21mm F2 uh, yeah. is a lens that brings like it makes me weak to the knees because <laughs> fast ultrawides are just so damn sexy, and that one is not gigantic. It's, so I, yeah. I, I need to put that one on my bucket list. <laughs> I this I want that lens. This whole conversation, I've just, when you guys have been talking, I've just been looking at this lens online. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, just like slap it on a camera, stick some still in there, go out at night and get up close to people. Oh my God. It'll be so nice. You can uh, yeah. zone focus
3: it. <sighs> Actually, there's also cool- Yeah. I was just going to say that's another quick thing about Olympus lenses. There's, there is there's almost like a premium. There are some premium lenses within the uh, Olympus yeah, range. That and one that, for sure. You, yeah, you've just mentioned <laughs> mentioned that one. Uh, another one that comes to mind, which which I own, is the the hundred millimeter f two, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, there is a the, there's a twenty four millimeter f two made
1: by Vivitar right in OM mount, which doesn't suck.
0: Yeah, that's yes, not
1: expensive at all.
0: But I mean, the two point eight is. Le- it's less
3: expensive and it's really good so it's a good solid lens the 20 the 28 2.8 um Zuko, or zuiko if uh, yeah. if that's right but i mean yeah. I, I i remember having a chat to a friend of mine Andrew, andy Cottrell, and uh, he used to have a um, a 28 2.8 and he back back in the day and he described it as the best lens he'd ever had in his life and he he sold it for whatever reason but when he when it when he went away from film i guess and and now he he regrets that because he's had Several of those since, and he's never actually actually had one that's ever been as good as that one that he sold. So that there's a potential for sample variation going on there. That's certainly that's what that's what it sounds like to me.
1: But li- listen to this, man: the twenty-one millimeter f two, eleven <laughs> elements, eleven elements, nine groups, twenty centimeters close focus, right? Two hundred fifty grams, forty-three millimeters long. Oh,
2: come on, come on. Time. Is that we're going to be giving away for the next competition?
3: <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to buy one for myself. <laughs> What's the going rate on one of those then, Perry?
1: Yeah, uh, eBay sold prices are like the cheapest one I'm seeing is what is that in? Do you guys want it in pounds? Like 450 pounds? Yeah, go with that. Yeah, oh, about 450 pounds.
2: Right. That's not terrible. That's not bad. Better than I thought it was going to be. Um, well, thank you very much for your advice on that, gentlemen. I think because I know that you guys need to get off. I don't know why I'm saying this because it's not my goddamn podcast, (laughs) 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 but somebody's got to be in charge here, apparently. Um, I think we need to um, wrap up these haikus, don't we? Which means that we need to tackle Paul Friday's mountain of uh, haiku. Yes. So, are we going to pick a couple of these each to read out before we read out his? Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm going to. No, we're all going to pick a couple of these. I used to read out. Okay. Um. Yeah. So these are kind of broken down into three sections. Paul's broken them down into uh, um, wind up and parodies of other podcasts and podsters, um, and then there's just his general ones, and then there's his competition entry. So there's there's so many of these.
3: So many. Well, well there's 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 one there that's just that seems to be gagging for me to to read out. So I'll, oh, I'll go, go, I'll on go first with this one, and that's uh, baiting the McGill. Um, with a with a fumbling perspective. How could he object? <laughs> I think the thing
2: we should say about all the Paul's is that Paul has um, integrated a lot of puns into his haikus, which I think might be a crime, I think. So. I don't understand that one at all.
3: Ah, McGill is one of the many names that people uh, refer to Hamish Gill.
1: Ah, uh, okay, got it.
3: That's it, and, I, and it raises his, uh, his perspective, his, uh, his blood pressure whenever I talk about perspective, which is a reason yep, why I'm yep. trying not to talk about it, just to okay. save him.
1: Yeah, I was, I, I'm from Canada, so I hear McGill, and I think of the university. I was like, what's
4: going on
3: here? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take this one. Um, let's see if we can figure out which podcast this one's referring to. APS, he says, <laughs> taking the whole world by storm.
3: We all laugh. Weekly. <laughs> it's the hottest trend in film photography. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> and, I, and actually on on that note we one of the reasons why we are slightly pushed for time is because as soon as we finished here I'm on the I'm co captaining that's the correct phrase um the negative positives uh podcast with uh, with with Mike and we have uh, uh, Ted Smith as our guest so uh, that's actually going to be starting recording in less than an hour from here so uh oh dear I'm go, I'm just to, to just to go along with how that that podcast works i'm going to be getting breaking out some bourbon i think just to <laughs> just to get me through it perry have you got a pick uh yeah there's
1: one from his this is just from the first chunk right
4: Hmm.
1: Oh from, <laughs> from wherever okay i like this one duck. um fuck duck photo guy puts cameras in water wonders why broken <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Johnny, have you got a pick? No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm going to. Seeing as this one seems very much aimed at me, I'm going to go with this one. Yago, you, you, you go. Yet not Yago or day glow. We mangle your worms. Um, yep, I think that sums up how well you did with my surname. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I nearly, I nearly did
2: it again at the start of this show. <laughs> <you know. laughs> go on, Simon, you pick another one.
3: Uh let's see. Um uh Mike G and Graham bookends of Sunburned Sunburned Hunk <laughs> Hunkdom,
2: I've not I've, hunkdom, I've, that makes you sound like an S <laughs> F- and
3: F- <laughs> F- <laughs> 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 uh, We are not worthy. I I've uh, I a little idea what the earth was going on with that. <laughs> S- uh- So I have one here that I think describes
1: the customers that Johnny talks about uh, when he describes old people who go into his shop to tell him that film is dead. All right. Our thin hair turns gray. Autofocus supports us and gas becomes sag.
2: Okay, one last one before we hit his official entry, just to show how bad the puns are in this. Um, Female pirate picks. Who is this pretty model? She tells me, Tess, (laughs) R. Exactly, oh no.
0: Yeah, and Graham, that was going to be the one that I was actually going to say would be my pick. would be that one.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm glad we got it in, Johnny. I'm glad we got it. I mean, John. Do you want to read his official entry? Does he have an
0: official entry? It's
2: right down the. It's the one. It's the one at the bottom before his bonus.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, I see it here. Paul Friday's official entry. Okay, here we go. Uh, I got to make sure I can read these three lines separate and not all together in that fancy way that uh, Perry says we should do it. So, <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Backed up by paper. Cheerful triple exposure, meterless thumb rule. <laughs> I prefer
3: t- the R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <No>. that's <Tessar.
4: laughs> okay. Okay, well, we'll
2: we'll redesign that one as Paul's official entry. It's yeah. the test R. <laughs> and um, I think that's all of them, isn't it? That we're going to read because there's many more from Paul. Will you be sharing these
3: in your show notes? uh yeah why, why not why not we can copy and paste this along with the errors no problem at all yeah. okay. so people can
2: go there and read all of them uh, there are some really good ones in there um but there's just many many of them
3: yeah we don't we don't actually count our page hits that we get i, I don't i just wonder if that's if they're actually going to go down this week or not um right okay so thank you everybody for your entries um and the um varying quality of them um and uh so we we still haven't talked about how we're going to actually pick a winner uh from this um Graham, you're, you're sort of the most judgmental person. <laughs> um, so um, any, any thoughts on that? Or do you just want to go ahead and pick a winner? Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be too difficult to do uh, second and third and all that kind of stuff. Do you want to, do you want to pick one that... Okay, uh, I mean, I'm just going to...
2: Um, I, I, mean, I think they're all... I, I, I really appreciate the effort that everyone's put in. I think they're all good, even the ones that were all over the map in terms of the number of words and stuff. But it's, I think they're all good. and um, Ones that have stuck out to me, I, I really like... Rakesh's um, entry uh, on um, the gear acquisition monkeys. I, I that I like that one a lot. Um, a R is obviously that's terrible, but also great. Um, what else did we come across? Um, Albert Strauss's uh, that was very good. That, I think he sort of very much sort of the meaning he squeezed into that. Uh, I, I really like that. Um, and the other one, uh, which was fairly early on. Where are we? Um, from um, Bernard. Uh, Sperling. Um, I also like that one uh, this is very difficult um, but I think sort of, oh, I'm going to go for the one which has kind of stuck with me a bit just because it kind of when I think about what haikus theoretically is supposed to be kind of conveying a sense of place and feeling the one that kind of has done it most actually is that one I mentioned at uh, the early one um, uh, Bernard Sperling's which was cold break of the day An old flat Konica sings beyond the Leica. There's something I like that. I don't know why, but that is the one that stuck in my mind. So, um, But for no better reason than that, that's the one that I'm going to choose as being the winner of this competition. All right. That's a good choice.
1: It it makes you feel like you're you're in nature, even though he's talking about lenses.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's just something poetic about it, which is obviously what you're looking for (laughs) in a
3: haiku. Sweet. Well, that, that's, that, that's brilliant. And uh, Bernard, if you or Bernard, um, if both of you, yes, actually, it's spelled, <laughs> actually, there's two different spellings. of Oh, I, I wonder if I just copied it incorrectly. There you go. Um, but uh, we, we're not going to announce this in in publicly. It's going to be um, when you've when you've listened to the podcast. Uh, hopefully you will. Um, uh, get in touch with us, um, and you already know how to get in touch with us. You already sent an email to us, so um, just drop it, drop us a line, and then we'll make the arrangements to get your uh, uh, lens over to you from Hong Kong. Um, yep. So uh, well done, Bernard or Bernard or Bernard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. Well, I'm just thinking um, we we are a little bit short on time on this show, so I think. Unless somebody's got anything that they really want to get off their chests. Uh, yeah,
2: can we, we talk s- about street photography? Yeah, I've been, can we <laughs> open <out> up again?
3: <laughs> Sorry about that guys. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to get Eric on so we can do a right of reply to the reply. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um right, okay. So um Graeme, uh, thank you very very much for coming coming back having been on here once and you've you've come back within 2 weeks. So um well 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 done you.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you very much for all of the information and advice you guys have given me. It's been hugely helpful.
3: So, well Well, uh, yeah, we've, we've wanted to get you on the show for absolutely ages. So, uh, um, and I've got to say the, uh, the, the suggestion of the Haiku competition was, was actually the, uh, the, the trigger. We can get Graham on now. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so that, that's, that, that that's great. So um, th- thank you for that. So uh, we'll come back to you in a minute where people can catch up with you and stuff, but uh, I'm going to go over to Perry. Um, if you've got anything else to say, any shout outs or anything like that, or alternatively, perhaps if you'd like to tell people how people can follow you outside of this podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G. Uh, I also have a website that I never update, but it's just Perry com.
3: Okay. And Johnny,
0: um, I actually have a couple of shout outs this week that I've remembered, uh, to, to actually include in this week's uh, episode. So I want to give a shout out to, uh, Christopher May who is now living again in the Chicago area so he's a he's 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 a local guy now um and we want to say congratulations to Christopher May cuz he's now married so Christopher May excellent in Chicago area and married welcome back thanks for stopping in to say hi at Central Camera the other day um and then I have a very special shout out for um well the one and only Big Mike. So Big Mike, uh, I, I guess I think Simon knows who Big Mike is. We all had to ask who's Big Mike, and Simon's like, you know, Big Mike. Aloha, so, Big Mike from Hawaii. Everybody knows Big Mike. Aloha, Big uh, Big. Yeah, Aloha, Big Mike from Hawaii. So Big Mike was kind enough to send me an actual through the mail physical postcard um, at Central Camera, and it has a beautiful picture of uh, some palm trees on the front. Um, and it's, it's a very nice photograph on a very nice postcard with a very nice note on the back, which I will now read for everyone to hear. So uh, uh, Big Mike says, Aloha from Hawaii. Thought I'd send in some classic lenses, listener mail the old-fashioned way on a 5x7 Ilford fiber-based classic matte darkroom print that I made. Podcast number 83, when you and Mike talked about hot dogs and beef, was my favorite to date. Got me dreaming of my hometown and hungry for a visit. Aloha, Big Mike.
2: Can so I just say, go. I too have that exact print sent to me by um, Mike Caputo. Uh, that guy is a goddamn delight and everybody I think everybody is following him everybody should be he sometimes does stories where he just sings show tunes um also he's a burly fireman hunk I mean he's he's got it all going on he's he's the man we all want to be um I love Mike Pluto so yeah
3: Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, you, thanks did, very much, Mike. Did, did yours have the same message on it, Graham?
2: Yeah, it said, um, <laughs> I love the Classic Lenses <laughs> podcast. Uh, I love the bit <laughs> where you <laughs> talked about snacks and stuff. <laughs> I,
0: and we, we,
3: we should also say
0: that Big Mike has impeccable handwriting. Impeccable handwriting. Like, I guess apparently they don't teach kids how to handwrite stuff anymore because you can just text everything now and you don't need to write anything. Uh, but he has impeccable handwriting. I haven't seen handwriting like this since I don't know. I got a card from my grandmother, <laughs> so <laughs> so so it it even has a really cool Apollo moon landing stamp on it. So it just the entire package was very thoughtful and and it's much appreciated. Uh-huh. Um, we we
3: also, um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say we also we also um, and I shared it with you guys as well. There we also had a, a message via. Um it was a direct message on Instagram from uh, John Bruning um saying some very, very nice things about our show as well. So uh, ah, which, I, which I shared with the guys. Oh, I won't really tight now, but uh, uh, but um yeah, thanks for that one, John as well. Yep. It's appreciated. Um, and I did just to finish the
0: the, the the wrap ups here, so you can keep up with me on Instagram at Cis uh, at Photography You can contact me, visit me, send me a postcard at Central Camera Company in Chicago. Uh, and of course, you can send an email to the podcast at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com, follow the podcast at our home, which is classiclensespodcast.com, and of course, make sure on Instagram you visit uh, best Vintage lens. Friend of me of the show, make sure you get the weekly wrap up or sort of weekly wrap up uh, from Ricardo about each episode. So check that out, um, and also let's let's give a big shout out again to our sponsor uh, of the Classic Lenses Podcast. <laughs> Uh, Classic Lenses Podcast, sponsored by Jepsen's Willard, the fine, bitter Swedish, uh, Swedish schnapps made in oh, Chicago. There goes that sponsorship. There goes that sponsorship. Classic Lenses Podcast, sponsored by Jepsen's Willard, the fine, bitter Swedish schnapps <laughs> made in Chicago. Uh, Jepsen's Willard tastes like someone vomited up their gin and now you're drinking it
3: from a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and and graham <laughs> how can how can people uh keep up with you outside of this podcast
2: um well the easiest place to find us is at sunny 16 podcast um if you actually want to touch base with me then i look after the twitter side of things um the wonderful matthew joseph looks after instagram and he does a great job of looking after our instagram feed um so uh you'll find him there um rachel uh i'm gonna to point towards Rachel because i know rachel's another one that it's difficult to get on your podcast with regards to lenses but um rachel's a delight in a little vintage photography you find her everywhere but um yeah twitter sunny 16 podcast or um i am on instagram at myopic underscore me uh, and i'd say 50 percent the pictures on that feed were taken with my helios 35 millimeter with the um rear element flipped so they're all completely blurry so if that feels to people who like really good quality lenses which i can't imagine it will um but the more recent pictures have been taken with cameras that actually can focus
3: on the thing so um that's there Right. Well, thank, thank, thank you again, Graham. It's, it's, it's been great to have have you on. It's been an absolute pleasure and delight. Excellent. And uh, you just mentioned actually that's a point on Instagram. You just mentioned Matthew Joseph there, and there's a there's a well, the, that, whenever you mention that name, that gets a certain level of confusion uh, in my mind because in our darkroom club, the Six Towns Darkroom. Um, on instagram uh, we also have a matthew joseph um, except he's got two underscores in there um so um which is just really besides he's donated to us in the past and i've said uh, thank you to matthew on coffee and stuff like that and uh, i was wondering if the other matthew joseph had listened to that and thinking i didn't send any money yeah so uh, so yeah that, that confuses me weekly that does whenever you whenever you mention his name there um and seeing that i've just mentioned coffee Uh, We've had uh, some donations Uh, I'll just find where it's gone Oh, it's right in front of me And uh, so I just want to thank uh, Mike Epstein and Barry Carr who uh, send us a regular amount of money, which is really, really nice Obviously, So thank you very much. And we also have a donation from Nigel Cliff, um, who's made a small contribution towards Simon's Airfare to Kentucky. Um, So uh, it got me a few miles down the road. So thank you for that. And I might even make it there uh, later on in the next half an hour. So uh, thank you, Nigel. And talking about Nigel, Um, shout outs uh, for me this week are one is going to be Nigel Cliff because I saw him yesterday we had a good old chat Uh, that was at the Wolverhampton Camera Fair I also met a uh, a chap called Richard didn't get your surname but uh, it was nice talking to you Richard Um, and uh, as already mentioned earlier uh, I met Nasser for the first and fifth time Uh, so it was nice to actually know who I was I was actually talking to and realising it was somebody I already knew so uh, that that was great to to meet you properly uh, Nasir. um, okay so other places for me I'm on Twitter Simon 4 yes yeah, I'm a four I'm on the Instagram as Simon Forster photographic I've got an eBay shop where you can still buy those those two items I was pushing last week the um, the baby roliflex and that ambilette lens um, and uh, where else am I? I'm on Flickr but I haven't done anything for ages um, I think think that'll pretty much do it, I think. So, uh, music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. It's called Octo Blues and and that's it. So, I hope you've enjoyed it this week. Uh, Well done to Bernard uh, for for winning that lens. Please get in touch with us and uh, we'll make the arrangements to get it over to you. And um, that's it. So, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you can, be like Carl. Right, okay. because we're relatively short on time today. Um,
0: <laughs> good thing all we need to do is read 85 frickin'...
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you... Do you remember that time when you guys were taking the piss out of me and my podcast for having to describe um, photographs of it and how time and yeah. yeah. how stupid that was? Yeah.
3: Karma's yeah. uh, <laughs> a bitch, isn't it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not really. We're just getting you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good f- <laughs> <laughs>